got them uh, a few toys as well with catnip in it. Like the fucking big one kit. Like he'll just like take it's like in the shape of a mouse. He'll just take that mouse and just suck it's on it. A Whatever the fuck, and just suck on it. And uh, after a few hours of doing that, he'll just lay on the floor like, uh, like pawing at shit that isn't there. <laughs> I feel fucking fantastic. <laughs> <coughs> all right, all that aside, let's get into this week's episode. Uh, but first, before we get into any of that, let's talk about our partnership with Newsly. It is a new site aggregator where you can have all the trending topics of what's going on in the world. Like we've talked about politi- uh, politics-wise, you can have all that brought to you. Uh, and it, the news could be read to you in a nice, calm, uh, even-toned voice. It's not like Siri or Alexa where it's more robotic, but it's very like in an even-toned, calm voice. And you can download the app at newsly.me or newsly on the iOS or Android store. And you can just start up a, a free service from there. But... If you want to start up a premium account and you get like unlimited skips, some more tailored experience, you can uh, have a free month on us uh, here at Nerdinian. And by simply putting in the promo code Nerdinian with the I's and O's, with the ones. Nope. I's and O's. Uh, <laughs> I's and O's replaced with ones, ones and zeros. zeros. That's it. Uh, and the code is simply N E R D, the number one, the letter N, the number 10, and the letter N once more. Um. It just go there, uh, and it can be your one-stop shop for everything. Uh, we have they have podcasts from over forty different countries there, including ours. So it can basically, like I just said, just be your one-stop shop for news and podcasts. Uh, like I have a job that requires me to listen, or not requires me, but uh, gives me the opportunity to listen to a lot of stuff. And I listen to several things on Newsly along with the podcasts that I normally listen to from a uh, day-to-day basis. Uh, just remember, uh, either go to newsly.me. Or download the Newsly app in the iOS or Android store, and whenever you set up an account, you set up just a basic free account. Or if you want a more tailored experience with the premium account, get one month on us by simply typing in the code Nardinian with the I's and O's replaced with ones and zeros. Uh, once again, uh, if I don't butcher it, N-E-R-D, the number one, the letter N, the number 10, and the letter N once more. The number N. I almost said the number N. <laughs> Um, uh, and if anything that I fucking said is at all confusing, everything should be in the show description. Just cut, copy, paste, go from there. Um, you'll be set up. Uh, it's a, like I said, a great fucking experience when it comes to apps. Army of Darkness. I am Greg Vance. And I'm Ryan Downing. And we are Ner- Nerdinian. <laughs> and, Who are we? <laughs> Ner- Nerdinian. Uh, so I'm, this uh, is the way. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, speaking in a bit of a handicap. Like I've said earlier, like I've, uh, dealt with like a head cold over the past like week. Um, so I'm still dealing with the uh, the uh, the byproduct of that by uh, hacking up shit and sneezing up shit. So if you hear like me saying leaning against the or leaning away from the mic to sneeze or some shit like that, that's because of that. Or if you hear me just not talking uh, in a normal voice, that's because I'm uh, still well, a bit stuffed let's up. Let's just be honest. Um, it's like a weekly occurrence of me just tripping over words yeah. and saying the wrong things. Yes, there is that. Uh, anyway, Nordinian is a uh, show where we go. Scene by scene, beat by beat, and talk about a particular nerd movie. And we stick within the franchise itself and then just break down each uh, element within the movie. This week... Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? It is a shame that your people suffered... Thank you. 
Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. They said you were coming. They said you were the best in the Parsec. Would you agree? talk about each episode but we're not actually going to get into like the finer details of certain things within the we're not going shot by shot for yes like normally would for any movies because like you said this is an eight episode season and it does run about five to eight hours depending on i haven't actually clocked it didn't look up the actual runtime of any of it so i have no clue what the actual runtime just that there are eight episodes ranging from 30 to 50 minutes yeah i think one one is 34 most are in the 40s yeah yeah, somewhere there I think two of them are like 54. Something like that. Um, anyway, so, uh, before we get into the actual thing, do, have you watched any of this beforehand? No, this is uh, my first watch through The Mandalorian. Um, and thoughts after I, watching the first season? I liked it. Um, I was kind of confused as to why Stan Edgar showed up at the end and offered to sell me crystal meth. <laughs> but... <laughs> Wait, who's Stan Edgar? The guy who runs Vought in The Boys. Oh my god, I was... (laughs) The same actor? (laughs) When you said Crystal Meth, I was like, no, that's not his name. His name in fucking Breaking Bad is... I know! Gustav! I'm I'm combining all of them together. I see what you're doing. Meshing! (laughs) Synergy. (laughs) Yes. Um, but yeah, I see what you're doing there. Uh, yeah, it is fucking fascinating to see someone like, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, I think is how you pronounce his last name. No, it's Esposito. <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but his caliber of acting, the way he goes about it, and he, like, yes, he has played bad guys before, uh, Stan from the Boys is somewhat of a... Bad guy character. Eh. He knows what he's doing. He knows yeah, some of the... He's... But he also knows how to run uh, Vought and uh, Homelander. He knows how to control him. And for the most part, until it becomes... Uh, he gets backstabbed in the he's, most recent season. He's shady, but he's not... He's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy. Right. <laughs> but as, like, as Zangief would say. Right. Uh, and Gustav Fring is also a similar character, where he's a bad guy, but not per se a bad... He's bad to... Walter later on, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, A, what is your fucking problem? B, go and watch it right fucking now. It's amazing fucking TV. I'm really not looking forward to whenever we go through that because there's <laughs> so much. <laughs> Those are like about an hour episode long. It is It is uh, beautiful to watch it in reverse, though. It's the story of a, uh, <laughs> a, a, drug, addict. <laughs> a drug dealer who gets cancer, miraculously get heals and starts teaching chemistry. <laughs> right. I mean, it's beautiful. <laughs> 
Um, anyway. Um, but what I was getting at is, like, uh, someone like Giancarlo uh, always plays these characters that have questionable backgrounds. Like, they do good things. Like, we see in Breaking Bad with Gustav Fring. Like, he was a good character. He knew how to cook meth really well. And, uh, like, the Mexican cartel uh, killed his best friend, basically someone that was, like, a brother to him, right. thus making him evil and shit like that. And he was evil to Walter until Walter decided to cross him. They were perfectly Coke fine. Seven. They were business partners at that point. Um, so he's always played these characters. And then with uh, Moff Gideon, what we get in this series and what we'll see later on in season two is that this character is evil through and through. Yeah, is just like, shit. He's just an evil character all the way across. Um he'll hint at now the Night of a Thousand Tears, the Siege of Mandalore, which we get more of in the Clone Wars season 7, uh that whole aspect with Ahsoka Tano and the clones flipping on uh Jedi and like there's a whole sequence of events that is fucking spectacular. Like we they basically redo uh episode 3 with that season three or not season three but season seven of the clone wars like we get another aspect of uh revenge of the sith uh in those last few episodes of season seven of clone wars go and check it out if you get the chance but this also points to some of the stuff that is later on hinted at in rise of skywalker so do you know anything that's going on in rise i know you haven't watched it but do you know some of the elements that are going on maybe characters that are in rise of skywalker yes so you know that, spoilers, you haven't seen it yet. It's a few years old. If you were going to watch it, you would have watched it by now, unlike Ryan. Um, <laughs> yes, Palpatine returns. Do it. And the idea is that... Hold on, i got to get it further down. Unlimited power! <laughs> right. I'm so weak. <laughs> right. That's pretty much it. He's very frail and weak because he doesn't have the right oomph. To make his body uh, solidified and become a whole person again. That's the whole crux yeah. of uh, Emperor Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker. That's why like a character like Supreme Leader Snoke existed. It was a like, clone like mishap. And so he was used someone like S- Snoke as his proxy while he was trying to figure out some way to uh, basically become stronger than he was in this like armature apparatus. We'll get to it once we get to that episode. Yeah. Um, but there's a whole, uh, thing of it of him cloning and him being fascinated with cloning in like, uh, subsequent novel, shit like that. Uh, so he, what happens in here, I think directly ties into what happens in Rise of Skywalker. Cause we see in a few, uh, after he gives up the child, the Mandalorian gives up the child, we see a conversation between the client and Dr. Pershing about them saying, Hey, we need him. Alive or dead doesn't really matter. We need the the uh, information from this uh, child uh, as quickly as possible because uh, the client's uh, bosses are very uh, eager to get that information. Right. But I think it, nothing's been directly tied, but I think it's Emperor Palpatine and him coming back and him surviving cloning and trying to live past what his first body uh, right. was capable for. of. Yes. So this, I believe... Now, there's also nothing been confirming this idea, but I think the idea was to have this as a movie. And because of the poor reception to Last Jedi, and then, it, like, Solo made, like, Last Jedi and Solo made really good money. Like, and by any other well, metrics. Made good money, but but not good money for S- Star, Star Wars. Wars. And that was an issue for Disney. And they were like, mm, they pumped the brakes on Star Wars movies, and they were a bit uh, trepidatious about doing any 
like outside Star Wars movies. So I think that's why we got this as a series because it really does feel like nothing nothing has been confirmed, but it really does feel like they just took like a two to three hour movie and chopped it up into episodes. Yeah. I, I have nothing to, to confirm that, with, but like, just narratively, it just feels like that. Now, normally, we would get when it comes to like episodic TV, you would get two storylines in an in, an, uh, in a series. A series. Um, one of it being the A story, which would be like what's going on with the episode, maybe a little bit of what's uh, the o- overarching story being told over the season. The uh-huh. B storyline would be like little character development type stories that's just contained for maybe like an episode or two. With also hinting at uh, the main story overarching from you the get, entire season. get a little bit. With this, we don't get a whole lot of B story. We get a right. little bit there's, with there's like the village. In the village. But we just mainly get A story. Uh, and then. With like a little thing here. And then a little bit of character growth um, with IG 11. Yeah, yeah. At the end. Mm-hmm. And like I said, just the little things here and there. Um, but it's very different than what you would get from a normal episodic TV. That's why I think when it came to this becoming a series, it was Disney uh, basically being like, let's hold off on any more movies that isn't Skywalker related. And they made this into a series. And it was the best decision that they could have made yeah. ever. Because this series is fucking fantastic. Even it season is, two is really fucking good. great. Now, do you know, we'll get into the cast here in a second. Who, uh, like, We know that John Favreau wrote the entire first season, I believe second season, and subsequent third, third season that comes out next year. But do you know uh, some of the story behind who plays the Mandalorian? Like, We know Pedro Pascal does the voice of the Mandalorian. We see him at the end of the yeah. eighth episode. But there's two, character, two uh, uh, I guess, stunt performers, uh, Brandon Wayne and Latif Crowder, who were basically the... the 90% of the character for that first season because they didn't have someone like Pedro Pascal signed on yet. So they were still shooting The Mandalorian. It's just they had Brandon Wayne, who is the grandson of John Wayne, mm-hmm. and he could do the walk that his grandfather could do, like the Western... Uh, saunter. Yeah, saunter. Yeah, and that's basically why they hired him. He's also a stunt performer in his own right. And I was kind of surprised with some of the uh, little cameos of different actors and stuff what do you mean like i was not expecting a brian Posehn. oh yeah uh, yeah <laughs> in the first episode yeah or bill burr in the seventh yeah yeah he, he's only in the one episode he makes another appearance in season two he's like he has a nice little fucking exchange with a few imperials in season two that is fucking amazing and i was fucking choice i was losing my fucking shit laughing at the beginning of episode eight the two the Imperials? Two, the two fucking scout troopers. I'm like, that's me and Greg. Like, 100%. The only difference is I could hit the fucking target that they're trying to hit. Like, I love that they both pull out blaster pistols. And they're like, oh, well, we're just going to fucking waste time. We'll do some target practice. Pew! Pew! They miss pew. every time. They miss every fucking time. Then they look at their gun like, huh, something must be wrong with it. <laughs> Yes, it is fantastic. But one of the guys is uh, Jason Sudeikis. I don't know if you know that or not. I didn't know that. So let's get into this uh, season. So it's set five years after the fall of the Empire and Return of the Jedi. But this series stars, as I've said, uh, Pedro Pascal, Carl Weathers, uh, Werner Herzog. He's German, so I'll pronounce it. uh, Spelled Werner, but he's German. Werner, which is probably one of my favorite things in this first season is Werner Herzog. 
whenever he's like, I want to see the baby. <laughs> or when we get to it, when we get to I it. I would like to see the baby. <laughs> yes. Or uh, what is it? Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. <laughs> his lines were pretty good. Uh, we got Omid Abatahi, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Uh, Taika Waititi, uh, Gina Carano. So... <laughs> we're gonna tackle this right up front, I guess. Okay. Yes, we're going just to get it out of the fucking way. So Gina Carano, I fucking like, like Cara Dune was one of my favorite characters from this series. Now I have like a little asterisk. Yeah, but Gina Carano is a fucking idiot piece of shit because uh, Gina Carano, she is apparently uh, right leaning and been for quite a while. And didn't become a thing until, what was it, like a year ago, uh, during the pandemic, whenever she compared herself and other Republicans to Jews in, during the, uh, Holocaust. the Holocaust, where Jews were being pulled out of their homes and businesses and told to get lost or being murdered or raped or, you know, sent to concentration lots, camps. Lots of bad stuff. Lots of really bad things. Brought out of their homes, when, clothes ripped off of them, just uh, strung through the streets naked. When beaten when the thing that she was complaining about was being asked to wear a mask. a mask yes not the same no not even close no and it, it, it a it rightfully pissed me off and b she was just told to take the post down that was it now disney didn't directly fire her from anything they were just like look we have no interest in uh working with gina carano in the near future. That's all they said. Gina Carano went apeshit. She apparently became friends with Ben Shapiro. And uh, I don't know if you've seen, but they've come out with a movie, Ryan. I did see that they were coming uh, out with a movie. My Son Hunter. You can guess what that's about. It's a movie backed by Breitbart News. I'm pretty sure there's a laptop involved. Yeah, probably. But it's it's their fucking idea of what Hunter Biden has been doing in his laptop and him being just a piece of shit. Now, I, granted, I've got no love for the Bidens or Joe or any of that, but Hunter clearly has some issues with substances and some issues in general. I mean, he's the sole survivor, I believe. I think I know his wife was killed. I, I think one of his sons... No. So it was the two sons and his first wife. So the two sons made it, but uh, Bo ended up dying from cancer... Um, his first wife died. So Hunter Biden is the sole survivor at this point from all that shit. Right. So clearly the guy's got some issues and it's got Gina Carano in it. She plays the secret serviceman for Joe Biden. who's played by some other white haired actor. Looks nothing like Joe Biden, but whatever. It looks ridiculous. Gasp, shock, surprise. <laughs> Part of me is also like Gina Carano. All you had to do was take down one post and you could have had millions. Yeah. No, I'm going to die on this hill. Yeah, that's the thing that doesn't make any sense. It goes back to my argument earlier. I was like, I don't understand why we need to die on these certain hills. Like, all you had to do is take down the post. Feel that way how you ever want. But you just take down the post. Delete it. That's it. You hit uh, what, what maybe two, three buttons at most to delete a post. That's it. And you would have been fine. You would have still been in the Disney family. They, from Rumors were that they were going to set up a series surrounding... Uh, Gina Carano's character, Cara Dune, about her being a former Republic shock, shock trooper. trooper. 
just the whole nine yards, they were going to start up a series, but because of all the shit with her, and apparently behind the scenes, she's also a transphobe, um, because Pedro Pascal has a sister, a brother that's transitioning into a, a woman, mm-hmm. sister at this point, and Pedro tried to convince, uh, these, these are all rumors, I know for a fact that he does have a sister transitioning, but these are, all, what I'm about to say is all rumors. Um, but he apparently, because he knew that Gina Carano is somewhat of a transphobe, he tried to sit her down and try to explain to her, like, this is what happens when you, you start transitioning. This is what my yeah. sister felt. Giving her more knowledge. Yes, than what she had. hopefully get beyond. Yes. And apparently none of it stuck, and she just went more into, like, being a transphobe and shit like that. So that's what I wanted to talk about when it came to Gina Carano. It fucking, like, Cara Dune is an amazing character. And I hope they recast the character because I think we need more of that type of character. Because we don't, we have uh, Princess Leia, who's a very strong character, but this is Cara, Cara Dune's like, no, I'm fucking muscly and big and fucking will stomp your ass into the ground and not think twice about it. I would love more characters like that. We do get tough, strong woman characters, but no one that's like big, jacked, thick, <laughs> if you will, women. And I, I I love that aspect in the Star Wars universe. I just I hope they don't ignore Cara Dune altogether. I know she's not in season three. I don't know that they'll recast her. And granted, I haven't watched season two yet, mm-hmm. so I don't know exactly how it all plays out and stuff. But if they if they end her character in season two like they did in season one, where she's like the enforcer for him or whatever, like they can just easily write off that she was killed. Yeah. Something. Yeah. What they do with her, it does lead to that. Like she could be easily killed off screen or whatever the fuck, or you just never hear from a Cara Dune type of character. And they usher in a new character that's similar to Cara Dune, just not Cara Dune. Right. Very possible. All right. Back to the cast. Gene Carlo Esposito. I think now I'm only saying it that way is because he came out recently and saying his name is actually pronounced. Esposito, I believe, if I remember correctly. I don't have any idea. Or Esposito. Don't know. Esposito. Um, Emily Swallow is the armorer. We got Nick Nolte in here, of course, plays the Ugnaught. Uh, Amy Sedaris, Jake Cannavale, Ming-Na Wen, the great Ming-Na Wen. Uh, Mark Boone Jr., Bill Burr, uh, Natalia Tena, Clancy Brown, which is one of my fa- favorite fucking character actors. He plays Savage Opress in the Clone Wars series. Fucking fantastic actor. If you ever want to check out some of his work, he plays Mr. Crab in the SpongeBob series. He plays um, the Deveronian in this as well. Berg. We also got uh, Richard Aedo, which is... Uh, he's from the IT crowd, right? Ayo, it's A-Y-O-A-D-E. Aode. Aode, that's yes. it. He's from the he's, IT crowd. Uh, Moss. From the IT crowd. Yeah. He plays uh, Zero, the droid, in the oh, Prisoner episode. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, then we I was got... going to say, I would know if I saw him. He is very, very... Uh... Recognizable with the hair and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we also have Ishmael Cruz Cordova. You may not know his work, but you know his most recent work. He's in the Rings of Power series. He plays the black elf that everybody was losing their shit over. His first episode uh, was 41 minutes long. Just label the title of the episode is Chapter One: The Mandalorian, directed by Dave Filoni and written by John Favreau. Now, Dave Filoni, for all intents and purposes, like he is the heir apparent. Like obviously, Disney owns Lucasfilm, uh, the IP, and everything. Yep. But Dave Filoni is the guy when it comes to 
George Lucas 2.0. George Lucas yep. taught him, uh, showed him everything, uh, basically kept him under his wing whenever George was in control of everything um, before he sold it to Disney. And Dave Filoni is the guy who's basically like George but not George type person. He knows every aspect. He knows what George was trying to say with the prequels and uh, everything he was trying to do with the Clone Wars series and shit like that. So he's very fucking well-respected when it comes to like the nerd world. Yeah. Um, whenever uh, his name is brought up. So uh, him directing this first episode and uh, a few other episodes, and he appears in uh, the Prisoner episode as well, mm-hmm. plays one of the X-Wing pilots, along with Rick Famuyiwa and Deborah Chow as well. All right, so this first episode basically starts off with a cold open, literally with a cold open. Yeah. We see Mandalorian with a tracking fob with a little beeping uh, LED with like two wires coming out of the top of it. It's a chain code uh, tracking fob. Uh, we see uh, a mithril played by Horatio Sands being accosted by a couple people in the bar. And it is the one of the greatest cold opens for anything because we get the very westerny feel. Yeah, it's very western with this right first off episode. He walks into the bar, everyone looks turns to him because all this rush of cold air comes in. Uh, basically breaking the guys that are uh, accosting the Mithril's concentration. Uh, uh, subsequently, a fight breaks out between uh, the people that were accosting yeah, the, the Mithril. Guy, the guy that was accosting him. It was like two humans like, and a Quarian. Uh, and Quarians like, are like these evil shithead characters, squid-like characters. Hey, you fucking spilled my beer. Yeah, he, yeah. In Hutties, they're all speaking in the Hutties. And they they are none too happy with Mandalorian. He's like, hey, you fucking spilled my beer. You owe me a new one. And the Mandalorian just walks up to the bar. And we have John Beasley in this scene. He's a bartender. He's yeah. a great fucking actor. You've seen him in numerous fucking things. He's always playing like these small like little characters. Great fucking actor. Right away, he's like, oh, I know how this is gonna go. Here, just, just. Just have one on me. Like, it's fine. No, 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 no issue here. Just, let's, not, let's not wreck my fucking shit. Okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. And the Mandalorian's not having any of it. He immediately gets into a fight with these guys, takes out two of the human guards. We see the Quarian try to run out, and immediately the Mandalorian shoots him. The Quarian drops to his back, and then the Quarian starts firing at the Mandalorian, and one of the greatest scenes that I could ever think of, especially for a cold open, is... Like, the Mandalorian takes his pistol, shoots the controls for the door. The door irises close as the Quarian is being lifted up by the iris door closing because the Mandalorian now has him in, like, like a grappling hook. Yeah, a grappling hook. Like, anchored into the Quarian so he stays where he's supposed to stay so he can't get out of. And the iris door is closed completely, slicing the Quarian in half. Fucking fantastic way to set up your series. Now, we see the Mithril trying to convince the Mandalorian, like, hey, like, you can have all my money. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, I know. It's fine. And then we see the Mandalorian lay down the bounty puck uh, for the Mithril. Saying that the Mithril has a bounty on him. He needs to be brought in. He's like, well, listen, I can give you more money. And he's like, listen, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. Pretty much. He says, I can bring you in cold or I can bring you in warm. And that's all he says. And then we cut to uh, the Mandalorian title card and the Mandalorian ushering the Mithril out of the bar. This seems really unnecessary. <laughs> yes. Horatio Sands plays a great Mithril in this whole uh, sequence of events because he's constantly trying to convince the Mandalorian, like, hey, if you just let me spend a little money, we can get on a better transport ship. We see Brian Posehn because initially the transport like uh, operator uh, whistles over a droid-operated uh, speeder uh-huh. and Mandalorian's like no, 
no, no droids. droids. And when we get the setup early on, like the Mandalorian can't Done stand. like droids. Quickly turns into Brian Posehn with a rinky dink fucking speeder, uh, fucking clunking it around. Yeah, it's falling apart. They go across this snowy tundra, and he's talking about Ravenex are close by because all these uh, spacers dump all their trash nearby. I think it's their own private garbage pit. Um, they get to the Razor Crest, and Mithril is still trying to convince the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian's not saying shit to the Mithril. Just stoic as all can be. Um, the Mithril's trying to convince him, like, hey, just let me spend a little money. Let's not get on this ship. And before they're able to take off, we see Brian Posehn's character being swallowed up whole by a Ravenek. And then that same Ravenek, which is just a giant fucking walrus, latches onto the Razor Crest, like one of the landing He's arms. like, man, I'm not going to get on this ship. It's a piece of shit. And then Brian Posehn gets eaten, and he's like, I want to get on the ship! I want to get on the ship! <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> uh, they they eventually get uh, out of the grasp of the uh, uh, Ravenek because Mandalorian has this big-ass pulse rifle that he uses against it. And it's also got a stun gun on the end. He yeah. fucking stuns it. it. The tuning fork yeah. <laughs> at the end of it, yeah. yeah. Cut to, like, the Mithriol. It's like, hey, I got to go avoid my bowels. Uh, you don't want to see a Mithriol in the middle of, like, Molting. Molting, whatever the fuck. Um, he gets down to like the main like cargo area and he's saying that he's going he's using so, different Oh yeah, words. this is really great. I'm I really enjoying using the using the potty like a big boy. This is really <laughs> yes. fucking good. And he's I needed that. <laughs> he's fucking around with the ship and opens a weapons locker. Yeah. But yeah, he quickly closes it. He sees that there are other beings frozen in carbonite, a Rodian and a few other like uh, human characters. And you see the Mithril is like, "Hey, uh, I was going to try to make it for life day celebration on my home planet, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen." And we and like a very like Michael Myers uh, Jason like aspect immediately the Mandalorian cuz we cut to an angle of the Mithril looking at it, cut to an angle where we could see right behind the Mithril and there's the bounty hunter right behind him, and he's like, probably not. Throws him into the carbonite unit, freezes him. Uh, we get the whole aspect of uh, the uh, gunslinger walking into a town. We see, like, this old town set up uh, near this, like, lava flow area. Navarro is the name of the planet. Yep. And it's basically them trying to mine lava or, like, lava rocks and shit like that. He goes to the main uh, bounty hunter cantina. Hangout. Yeah. Uh, and meets his uh, somewhat boss, Grief Karga, played by Carl Weathers. Who promptly is like, oh man, you did a really good job with all these bounties. Here's some here's some money. And throws some like imperial, imperial credits. Credit. And he's like, no, I don't want any imperial credits. And then Moff, or no, not Moff. What's his name? Carl Weathers? Grief Karga. Grief. Grief is like, but you know, you, you can take that and buy a bone and put it in some water and you got a soup going. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then, uh, <clears throat> uh, what was it? He is about to take the tracking fobs away from Grief and Grief's like, no, no, no. I'll, I can play you in Calamari Flan. And he <laughs> drops down like wet coins in front of yep. him. <laughs> they came out of the stew. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, he's like, but I can only pay you in half. So the Mandalorian agrees and then he's like, uh, what's next? The Mandalorian says as much. And Grief's like, look, I've got a bail jumper, a bail jumper, a bail jumper, and another bail jumper. Um, well, no, he's like, at first he's like, I don't have anything for you. And Mandalorian's like, he's like, just take some time off. And he's like, no, I want my next job. Yeah. 
He's like, well, you're my best bounty hunter. Like, you, we're trying to run a guild here, and you're catching all the fucking bounties, and so everybody else is starving. So, like, I need you to take some time off. Yeah. And he's like, no. <laughs> Basically, he's like, no, nah, nah, bro, not going to happen. And then, and then that's when he mentions, I got a bell jumper, bell jumper, bell jumper. And Mandalorian's like, I'll take them all. He's like, whoa, 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 there are other members. Yeah, I got mouths to feed over here. Yes. You can't take them all. And uh, Mandalorian's like, what, is business slow? And Grief Car is like, no, business isn't slow. It's actually quite busy. Uh, they just don't want to pay guild rates. And then Grief Car basically tells him about a client that wants something done off the books. That they don't have a, a tracking fob, but they do have like or this. Or a bounty puck. Or a bounty puck. Not a tracking fob, but a bounty puck. And then you have to go meet the client face-to-face so he can explain to you what you need to do. He hands him a card. Mandalorian goes off. And immediately, right when he leaves the cantina, we see, what is it, those uh, salacious crumbs, the Coaxian lizard monkey from mm. Return of the Jedi. We just see one on, like, a rotisserie as the other one watches yep. it being burnt alive. <laughs> so fucked up to watch. Um, but, yeah, Mandalorian makes his way The only to, way that it gets more fucked up is the scene that they didn't show where the person turning the rotisserie, like, leans down and is like, you're next. <laughs> That's going to be you. Yeah. Mandalorian makes his way to where he needs to go. He is entered, uh, allowed access in, and we see that the stormtroopers in this main room, are they have armor that has seen better days. Like, it's all dirty and chipped and just... They've been on this planet for a while. Yeah, kind of, kind of rough shape. Yes, and we know that this takes place five years after um, the fall of the Empire. So, and immediately we have Werner Herzog, as, and we don't get his actual name the entire time. His character name is just the client. Yep. And we see right when he gets in, um, immediately Doctor Pershing, uh, played by Omid Abtahi, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, is comes in in a scientist uniform. Now we later on find out that it's a Camino cloner scientist uniform. So there's something going along the lines of cloning uh, about this particular. He's just sitting there, it's high as shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, about clones. Something's going on. We're not sure what, but they want this bounty for some sort of scientific experiment. Um, well, um, he doesn't pop in until Warner Herzog says, bring it in alive or dead. And then he pops in. He's like, no, 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 it's got to be alive. No, he pops in before that because immediately the Mandalorian is like, whips out his guns because he's startled by Pershing coming in. Oh. Werner Herzog client tells him, he's like, look, you need to bring in this thing uh, alive or dead. Doesn't really matter. And Pershing, like you said, is like, no, no, it needs to be alive. And Werner Herzog is like, compli- uh, bounty hunting, bounty hunting is, is a complicated, complicated profession. profession. Uh, he's just like, I'm trying to be pragmatic. And we see Dr. Pershing basically hand over the tracking fob. And he's like, look, uh, the client says, he's like, look, we don't have anything but its age. And it's 50 years old. So try to bring it back alive. But we get that if you can't, you can't. Uh, but also, whenever he pulls the guns, the stormtroopers are like, we outnumber you four to one. Yeah, in the like Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. um, cut to the Mandalorian is back on his ship, and he is going to where the tracking fob is sending him, which is Arvala 7 is the name of the planet. He lands in this like mountainous, deserty area, 
and he starts hearing some sort of like growling nearby. He takes his scope out and he sees a bunch of like bipedal piranhas. Yeah, pretty much. They have like a piranha face with like very sharp looking teeth, the very T-Rex arms. They're called blurgs is what they're called. Uh, and immediately we see the Mandalorian get his ass handed to him by a couple of blurgs. Um, he is eventually saved by a uh, Ugnaught named Queel, uh, K-U-I-I-L, so I think is how you uh, spell his name. And it's voiced by Nick Nolte. Now, I knew Nick Nolte was in the series from whenever it was first announced of who I was going to be in the series. I just didn't think I would love what Nick Nolte is doing in this series. The whole I have spoken, like it just basically fixing up the IG unit and being this character that you would eventually mourn the loss of him. Right. Spoilers, if you haven't watched this, I don't know why you're listening to us. But, yeah, he eventually dies by the end of the season. And it's very, like, sad. It's not like oh, we grew attached to this character with the I have spoken and just this Ugnaught worked his way into our hearts. Who? You, I see you're a Mandalorian. What are you doing? I'm here to get a bounty. Oh, good. I will help you. <laughs> I have spoken. <laughs> yes. Um, he basically teaches him how to ride a Blurg. They make their way to the main compound of where all this commotion is happening. Uh, Quill knows where it's happening because numerous bounty hunters come through trying to figure out a way to get to this uh, bounty that everybody's been talking about. Quill uh, basically tells him, like, hey, you do this, you'll be right in my books or some shit like that. Bas- well, uh, <coughs> the, the people that have come in have made chaos in his valley and... Mm-hmm. It's like, if, if half the stuff that I've heard about Mandalorians are true, you'll make quick work of this, and I'll have peace here again. Yep. So that's why I'm helping you. Uh, we see Mandalore, uh, Mandalorian, the Mando, uh, not Man, Mandalore. Mando. The Mandalorian. Or the Mandalorian. Um, not Mandalorian, the Mando. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we see him scoping out the place, and he sees a bunch of uh, Nikto guards around. And before he can even figure out a plan, we see an IG unit just immediately just walk dead center into, like, this main compound saying, you must give up the blah, blah, blah bounty by order of the uh, Bounty Hunters Guild. And immediately, uh, Mando is like, God damn it, fucking droids. He makes his way down as the IG unit just tears shop with every guard that's in this, like, outside. Well, yeah, they're all like, no. Yeah, yeah, and immediately start firing. He's like, um... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and the IG unit's voiced by Taika Waititi. Uh, Waititi, or however you Taika Waititi. And he starts taking out everybody left and right. And right at the end, we see Mando come out from behind uh, the building. And he's like, IG unit immediately gets shot by the IG unit. Yep, right in the fucking Beskar. Yep. And that's the small scene we missed, is like the armorer. Uh, we meet the armorer after he meets the client. Yeah. In the armor, because he got a, uh, a down payment, a down payment, Beskar. which is just like a chunk of Beskar, and he takes it to the armor. Armor makes a pauldron for him, and we get glimpses of who Dinjarin is. Uh, we yeah. a little bit because as she's pounding away, making this pauldron you for see, him, see we see flashbacks of him as a child, of his people being uh, assaulted by somebody. We don't see just yet who it is, but his people are being assaulted by somebody. He's seeing people being killed left and right. So now we're back on our Vala 7, and uh, he's making a deal with the IG unit. He's like, I'm part of the Bounty Hunters Guild. You're part of the Bounty Hunters Guild. Let's just flip, uh, split it 50-50 and uh, go from there. It would be a great fucking idea. And IG unit is like, yeah, I could That's use acceptable. This. 
use some help. As they're figuring a way to get into the building to get the bounty, more guys, more Nikto come out and start just running through Mando and IG. They eventually come up with a plan because they see this big, like, Gatling gun blaster rifle come out. Oh, no. Before that happens, they get pinned down and they're like, oh, no. Like, what's going to happen? And the IG unit's like, I'm going to self-destruct. Yeah. He's like, no, don't fucking self-destruct. <laughs> yes. Like, his go-to is like, the, it's like I must because I can't be captured. Yep. So, if I'm going to, you know, be captured, I have to self-destruct. Mando's like, listen, don't fucking self-destruct. <laughs> so I've got a plan. Cover me while I get out there to that blaster. Mm-hmm. He does, gets to the blaster, and pew, 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 pew. Takes out everybody that's left outside with this uh, Gatling gun blaster. It's very, like, this is who the Mandalorian is. He's very fucking quick on his feet, knows how to handle himself type uh, character. Takes out everybody outside, and then realizes that the door that is... Where the bounty is, is sealed shut, and there's no way for them to get in. They quickly come up with the idea of using the Gatling gun around the door edges to take out the door completely. Um, they end up inside this building, take out a few stragglers of Nikto, and walk up to where the bounty is. And it's a floating egg thing. Yep. And immediately, Mando is like, wait a minute, they said it was 50 years old. And they open it up, and... One of the greatest secrets ever fucking held, because there was not a fucking rumor, one, about this fucking thing being in this series at all, is a Yoda-like creature coming out of this floating pram, holding its finger up to anybody that would fucking present itself to him. Um, The IG unit is like, oh, it's adorable, but we must kill it now. And before he's able to, the IG unit gets uh, killed by Mando straight through the fucking head. Just taken out right away. No hesitation whatsoever. Because we've seen time and time again. The Mando was only teaming up with him only as far as he needed him. He was always going to kill the IG unit at the end. And the episode ends with the Mando looking down at this childlike character. And like I said, this is probably one of the greatest secrets ever fucking kept. Like, there was no fucking room. No hint. No, nothing. Like, I cannot convey to you how fucking huge this secret was kept. Right. It was was very, very well. There was nothing. Like, everything that's been popped up in the Star Wars universe. There's been, like, a small rumor. Maybe we'll get this character back. Maybe we'll get this character back. And the character actually does come back in some fashion. Um, But with this, nothing whatsoever. And we later on find out his connection to fucking everything. Um, I won't spoil it for anybody, but it's really interesting how they incorporate. Um, in, <laughs> I want to I want to try to prevent myself from saying Baby Yoda because I know Favreau doesn't like that uh, moniker for this character, but he doesn't give it a name until season two. Right. So I don't know what he thought everyone was going to call it when their only connection is Yoda. Right. His name is Grogu. We find that out in season two that his name is actually Grogu. I'll try to call him that, but it's mainly probably going to be called Baby Yoda, or Yoda Baby, or one of the two. One of the three at this point, anyway. Um, uh, We see the second season, uh, or second episode start, and we see the Mandalorian with the floating pram uh, being hunted by Trandoshans. Big lizard people. Mm. um, Bosnasks people. Uh, They quickly uh, attack Mando and try to kill the child. Uh, but Mando immediately gets rid of them. Like, this is the cold open for season, or episode two. 
and Mando immediately gets rid of uh, them without breaking a sweat. Um, we see Mando walk up to where his Razor Crest is, and it's being picked alive by Jawas. Just every little implement that they could use, weapons, engine parts, uh, side panels, everything just being picked apart, being brought onto their <clears throat> big sand crawler. Mando sees this, and we get the first uh, live-action, um, I guess, view of disintegration. Like, in the Empire Strikes Back, we see Darth Vader says, no disintegration to Boba Fett. And we actually get to see what disintegration means. It means they get puffed into smoke. Fucking deleted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the clothing and everything stays, but their entire organic body, like eviscerated. Like, uh, like Obi-Wan in episode four. <laughs> Just boop pile of clothes. Boop pile of clothes. <laughs> yeah. Boop pile of clothes. Um, we see the Jawas like reacting to this, We're running back into Fuck! the <laughs> yeah, pretty much <laughs> running back into the sand crawler. Sand crawler's running off. We see uh, Mando running up uh, the side of the sand crawler, trying to crawl up the side of it as the floating pram is just trailing behind. Yep, all of this. Uh, we see Jawas throwing the like, chunks of metal, scrap, just anything that they fucking can. At Mando as he's climbing up to the top. Um, he eventually gets to the top. And all the weapons that they stole from the Mandalorian. They now have. And they immediately. Before Mando can fire off any rounds. Immediately hit him. He goes slack from being electrocuted. Basically being tased by these Jawas. And falls like 60 feet on a nearby rock formation. As the sand crawler slowly speeds off I guess. Uh, some time has passed. And the Mando wakes up. With baby Yoda right beside him in the floating pram, uh, the sand crawler is nowhere to be found. Um, Mandalorian goes back up to his ship, sees if there's anything that he can do. There's not. It won't start. It won't turn on. Nothing. It is toast at this point anyway. Um, he goes back to Quill, and Quill's like, I thought you were dead. Mando's like, no, uh, my ship is fucked. And <laughs> some time uh, passes, and Quill's like, no, no. Nice. So, oh, yeah, no, the Jawas. Yeah, they totally fucking just took like, They They everything. took your stuff, but they didn't destroy your ship. They don't destroy. They just take apart they just to reclaim. resell, reclaim. That's it. Um, and Quill's like, look, I'll take you to them. We'll try to figure out some sort of trade that we can figure out. I think trading is my shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's like, no, you'll trade. I have spoken. Yes, and we see Baby Yoda, Grogu, fucking take a frog and then just swallow it whole. Yep. In one of the most adorable scenes, like the button for the scene is him swallowing the frog. Mando saying, "Hey, spit that out." Grogu not listening. What? What? Spit what out? I'm nothing. Swallows it and looks up at Mando with like the most innocent face fucking ever. You can understand why people went ape shit for this character with all the different toys yeah, and people because you definitely don't have two of them sitting on the <laughs> shelf right there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the planter. I was like, two over here. Yeah, I've got a planter with Grogu sipping uh, uh, some soup. sort of soup from this season. And then I've got the actual Baby Yoda that came out uh, a little while ago. Like the pluff doll thing that you can hold. Like the body's all cotton soft, soft and shit, but the head's all hard. And like you can't really sleep with it or anything like that. <laughs> But then I also have this one right here. Oh, yeah. And that one right there. So I have four different versions of Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah. But people went crazy. <laughs> right. Not Greg. But people. Right. 
Quill takes Mando to uh, where the Jawas are. And the Jawas are just off in the middle of nowhere, just enjoying their time, just like rummaging through the scrap and everything. We see Quill trying to negotiate with them. And immediately the Jawas are like, no, no, he needs to keep his weapons in the cart before he comes over here. And we see Mando say, no, guns are my, weapons are my religion. I can't really discard them. And Quill's like, look, this is the only way we're going to get your shit back, so you're going to. Uh, I have spoken. Yes. Uh, negotiations take place, and immediately Quill, or not Quill, but uh, Mando's like, oh, yeah, this is my shit. And he starts trying to use his flamethrower on his gauntlet. And immediately Quill's like, no, 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 don't do that. And, and the Jawas get in their little Jawa huddle, and they're like, <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, an egg. Suka is what they call yeah. it in their Jawa. Suka. <laughs> and immediately uh, Quill understands what they're talking about, because I guess they've talked about it previous times to him, and he's none too happy because he doesn't think like it's going to happen. He's like, well, you're fucked. Uh, we cut to uh, Mando and the Ugnaught being transported in the Sandcrawler with the Jawas, and we just hear them all cheering, Suka, 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 as they're being brought to this mudhorn area. Uh, we see Mando getting off the Sandcrawler and walking towards where he needs to get this egg. With the pram. With the pram floating behind him. Um, he gets to like this big cave, uh, goes into it with the, the floating pram off to the side, not following him into the cave. He gets into the cave and he sees like this furry egg like smashed into the mud. And mm-hmm. as he's looking at it, he looks around and then he sees an eye open up and then he's just thrown out of the cave. Yay! <laughs> yes. By this big ass it's like a big ass like woolly mammoth rhino. It's called yeah. a mud horn. Um it comes stomping out, growls at fucking Mando, slams its horn head into Mando. His armor is getting fucking laid Wrecked. waste. He, parts are flying off. His chest plate just being dented in like no other. Is bent the wrong way. It is fucking being obliterated left and right. And Mando is just getting his ass handed to him. Uh, the fight crescendos into Mando holding holding up his vibro blade in a final attempt on his knee, just like as the mudhorn uh, comes charging at him. We see. Uh, the Mudhorn charging at Mando as Baby Yoda, Grogu, watches this exchange happen. He sits up, holds his hand up, and right before it connects with Mando, it stops. The Mudhorn stops and floats in midair. Whoa, whoa. Mando looks around, sees that the kid is holding up his hand, like concentrating like no other, just holding up his hand. Uh, the kid passes out. The Mudhorn drops to the ground. Mando immediately stabs it in the neck. Ma- uh, Mudhorn goes down. Dies immediately. Um, cut to um, Mando grabs the furry egg from the cave. And it looks like the Jawas are going to just basically go away because some time has passed and they just don't think the Mando like, oh, he's dead. is alive anymore. Yeah, And as they're about to pack up shop completely, we see Quill uh, say, hey, there he is. And here comes the uh, Mandalorian with like chunks of his armor still in the crook of his arm along with the egg as well and the floating pram right beside him. Um, he hands the egg to the Jawa, and immediately one of the grossest scenes I've fucking seen in quite a while when it comes to, like, Star Wars, they slice open the top no, of the they, egg. No, they hold it up like it's the fucking Stanley Cup. <laughs> yes. For a while. They're like, oh, Suka! Yeah. Suka! And then you get one that's got a fucking machete, and just, whop, lops off the top of it, and then... Scoops out some of his hands and goes... 
And then it's like, Suka! <laughs> and then tells everybody Suka! else to get Suka! in. Suka! And they all start digging their hands yep. into this like egg batter. And it cut to some time later. Uh, Mando has all of his, everything for his ship back. All the engine parts, the metal panels, everything. His weapons, everything are fucking back with him. And Quill says, tell me again what happened. And Mando's like, I'm not quite sure what fucking happened. And we see that the baby Yoda is still passed the fuck out. He's breathing everything. He's not dead, but he's passed out. He's all tuckered. Um, Quill and Mando get back to where the ship is. And like I said, it's in ruins. But Mando's like, oh, this is going to take fucking ever. And immediately Quill is like, if you quit bitching, we'll get this done done fucking as as quick as possible. Um, like, it's going to take me forever to rebuild it. And he's like, oh, well, okay, I'll help you. I've spoken. Yes. Um, we get a small little uh, montage scene here um, of them rebuilding the ship, putting all the panels back in, the engine parts, everything. Um, it ends with them starting up the engines and everything starts up perfectly fine, along with Mando saying, hey, I could really use another member on my team. And Quill's like, look, I've lived... Uh, I, I, I've lived a life of servitude. I'm finally free from all that, so no. I'm not interested. And basically ends it with, I have spoken before he takes off. Uh, they He's take, like, well, then at least let me pay you for your help. <coughs> He's like, no, I don't want payment. Yeah, you've brought peace to my uh, neck of the woods, so that is thanks so enough. So we'll, we'll call it even. Yes. And then Manda's like, well, then the only thing I can offer you is my thanks. And the episode ends. Uh, oh, and I should mention that season two, I forgot to mention this, is the chapter two, The Child, directed by Rick Famuyiwa, written by John Favreau. Going to episode three, The Sin, directed by Deborah Chow, written by John Favreau. I think all of these are direct, written by John. No, the la- last episode five and six are written by other people, so never mind. Um, but episode three starts off with him going back to Navarro. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the child, and when he sees he gets a, a calm from Grief Cargo saying, hey, just take the bounty directly to the client. Straight to the client. So he does just that. He takes the, the floating pram with baby uh, Yoda in it, uh, Grogu, to the client. Uh, we could just call it the child. The child. that's what it's referred yeah. to as for this whole... Um, he goes into the main... The baby. <laughs> uh, he goes into the main area where the client is... And immediately we see Pershing and Herzog are very fucking excited that they finally have the child back. Which, I'm wondering if we'll ever get that. We get uh, glimpses of some of Grogu's background in Season 2. In parts of Bo- Book of Boba Fett. Because, the, like I said, a few of the episodes from the, Mandalorian, or from the Book of Boba Fett is about the Mandalorian. Right. So we get a little bit of his backstory. So I'm wondering, who were the people keeping... The Yoda baby under wraps. Mm. Like, they were Nikto creatures, but were they part of the Republic? Or, like, it? it's never really explained who the bounty hunters are grabbing the small child from. from yeah. So, we see that Dr. Pershings, the communal scientist, is very excited, scans, and uh, Werner Herzog, the client, takes a, a, a Camtano of Beskar. 
with, uh, with the uh, Imperial stamp in the corner of the Beskar. He gives the uh, Camtano of Beskar to uh, Mando, and they take uh, Baby Yoda to the, one of the back rooms nearby. We see Baby Yoda, like, whimper, and mm. immediately Mando's like, what are you going to do with him? And Werner Herzog's like, I thought there were no questions. Yes. Uh, basically telling him, like, oh, who gives a shit? What do you care? You're a fucking bounty hunter. Uh, we see the Mandalorian walk out with the Camtano of Beskar Steel. He gets back to the ma- armorer, and we see that several of the other Mandalorians, we should say, where the armorer is, there's like this whole sewer system underneath Navarro where the a few Mandalorian families, along with a few stragglers of Mandalorians, uh, basically congregate because they don't go anywhere else. But here, every so often, we'll hear in this exchange coming up. Uh, only one at a time usually come up to the surface. Um, we see several of the Mandalorians see that the Mando has a Camtano of something with them. And we see them trailing behind him as he goes into the armorer's main area and sees just like a nice chunk of fucking Baskar steel laying in front of him as the armorer starts taking everything out of the Camtano and like laying in front of him. Armorer's like, look, this is enough to make an entire fucking armor set for you. A full chorus, uh, if you will. And uh, Mando is like, yes, that'll be great. Uh, just make sure that the access goes to the foundlings. And uh, the armor says this is the way. Before the armor even is done counting all of it, we see several of the Mandalorians come in. We see a main Mandalorian, like big bulky motherfucker in blue armor with like this Gatling gun on his back along with a jetpack or some shit. Um, he walks up to the Mandalorian. He's like, why are you taking this fucking Beskar? It was taken from us on the night of the great siege. So, and this man shares a table with these fucking enemies. And immediately the armor is like, look, he got the Beskar back to us. Right. Who Who gives a shit? Who cares that it has an Imperial seal in it? You're not going to see it once I'm meld at all anyway. Right. That's pretty much what she says. And immediately, and this big hawking guy, we later on find out his name is Paz Vizsla. Um, the Vizsla clan are the ones that come up with the dark saber, um, that we see later on. So there's this character in the Clone Wars called Pre Vizsla. Mm. Uh, his ancestor, I can't remember, Tar Vizsla, uh, ends up becoming the only Mandalorian to become a Jedi. Um, and he comes up with, uh, a lightsaber that is the dark saber. And because of how highly regarded this Mandalorian is for becoming a Jedi, they then take his lightsaber from the Jedi temple and use it as the rite of passage. So the dark saber becomes like, if you can take the dark saber from whoever's ruling Mandalore, you become the ruler of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is for quite a while until the dark saber gets lost. And it, it, pre Vizsla along with his uh, ancestor Tar Vizsla. And it just becomes like the, the Vizsla's, Rule basically their scepter, if you will, yeah. uh, as only only it's called the dark saber. So pre or Paz Vizsla is a descendant of Pre Vizsla. We're not sure in what sense, either son, grandson, don't know. Um, so he would have, and we see later on what happens with Paz Vizsla and the dark saber. Uh, that's all I'm going to give you right now. I don't want season hit. two. I assume it, no in the book of Boba Fett. There's oh, few okay. episodes. There's something. There's an exchange that happens between the Dark Saber, Mandalorian, and Paz Vizsla. Um, that's all I'm going to say. It's really fucking fascinating. But so Paz Vizsla is basically 
they don't say it in the series, but he's basically like the guy that they would look to as the next in charge. How I've always interpreted it. Right. But they all listen to the armorer because she's the most wisest of them all. But Paz Vizsla is basically like the go-to guy whenever it comes to who should we listen to type of person. And he's being a dick. And he's none too happy with what the Mandalorian has done in order to get this Beskar. He doesn't know the finer details. He just knows that he was in bed with the Imperials uh, to get the uh, Beskar. Uh, And immediately... He grabs the Mandalorian's helmet, and they start scuffling back and forth. Uh, this, this little scuffle crescendos with them both pulling out vibra blades and about to stab each other before the armorer says, stop. And immediately she's like, hey, has your uh, helmet ever been taken off? Mandalorian's like, no. Have you ever taken it off for someone? No. And immediately the armorer's like, this is the way. And this is the way of the Mandalore. Like the, he hasn't taken his helmet off. No one's taken it off for him. So he's a Mandalorian. Right. So we're getting more and more of... needs to be given the respect respect that that garners. And now, as you're watching this series, you know time and time again, we get in season two more of this, that we have met several Mandalorians that have just immediately taken off their helmet. So we know, if you've watched any of the Clone Wars series or the Rebel series or anything like that, you know that there is a sect, if not most of Mandalorian people, will take off their helmet right away. So who are these people that are like, no, the helmet doesn't come off for fucking anybody? And uh, like, it's fascinating to watch all this stuff. Um, anyway, we cut to, or we're back, we're still in the armorer's place, and she's making a full cuirass for him, and more of the hammering. We see uh, like this big steel thing coming down, making the full chest plate. And as all this like dunk well, dunk dunk has they, happening, they ask her or they ask him towards the end of this. It was Siglet Signet has been revealed. Yeah, and he's like, it has a mud horn, but I didn't take it out myself. Well, no, she, he says that he had to kill a mud horn to get back here. Yeah, and she says, oh well, then the mud horn is your signet, and That's he it. says, no. I, it wasn't an honorable kill. And she's like, what do you mean it wasn't an honorable kill? And he says, I was helped by my enemy. She's like, why the fuck would an enemy help you? And he's like, oh, he didn't know he was my enemy. And she's like, okay, well then you still, you're still crestless. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and as he's watching all this armor pieces being built for him, we see more of a flashback of like a nom flashback type thing going on as each like striking of the hammer of this big device, like sparks are flying. We get flashbacks of him and his people being annihilated and we find out who's doing the uh, assaulting at this point. It is battle droids. Yep. Um, we see battle, yeah, battle the droid. super battle droids, the B2 battle droids, the one with the big traps on their shoulders and shit are just laying waste to his people. We see his mom and dad. He's being uh, carried by his mother as they're making their way through all this destruction and everything. We see a small Mando being uh, brought to a, like, storm storage shelter Yep. Uh, that's uh, into the ground. He's being dropped into there. His parents are saying, I love you, as they drop him in there. Uh, they close the door. A big explosion happens. We're not sure what. Cut to the armor is uh, finished, and we cut to... Uh, just the inside of the uh, Bounty Hunter Cantina. Well, no, we also get, um, said I made 
stingers for you. Oh, no, whistling birds. Yeah, whistling birds. Yeah, that's it. It's just these like little projectiles that fly out of one of his arm gauntlets. And then we cut to inside the uh, Bounty Hunter Cantina, and uh, immediately it just seems like normal business as usual. Door flies open like the beginning of episode one, and there's the Mandalorian in one of the best-looking armors I've ever seen in quite a while. Like, all the Mandalorian armors. Super polished silver, like, beautiful, brand new armor. That's one thing I also wanted to bring up. So there's this whole device that that was designed for this series. Called the volume. It's like this big room with all like these LED TV screens that are like seamlessly put together. So you have this uh, in real time, fully rendered environment uh, for these actors to play around with. Uh, you have an actual stage and everything built for them, like for them to interact with like tables, chairs, props, and shit like that. Right. But you have this environment that's all 3D rendered, fully detailed. That they can get in camera. It's not like a green screen or anything around these actors that they have to pretend. Right. things are around them. It's a fully formed environment around them, so it works perfectly for like a character that's as shiny as... The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. Because it, one thing I've, I completely forgot to bring this up is... So in, like, uh, for example, uh, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, there's that sequence of events with uh, Anakin and Padme where they're having that conversation at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And we see all the like beautiful scenery around them in this like vestibule-type thing that they're in. Now, if you watch the behind the scenes, that's all green screen, but they have all these shiny things in front of them, the clear glasses, the shiny silverware. So some graphic designer that was working for Lucasfilm had to go frame by frame and map out every time you would see something in those shiny or clear devices. Right. So every fucking single frame, and there's multiple angles in that scene, so they had to go through every fucking angle, every single frame, and just paint out everything. Hours and hours of work. Yes. With the volume, that does not become a thing. You just have to render an environment in a fully detailed aspect. And then it's done. And then it's done. You just have it in camera in this environment. You just have to set it up properly. It's so much realistic that at one point when they're on that uh, that space station for the prisoner episode... Mm -hmm. In between scenes, if you if you look in the background, there's like sparks and smoke and stuff flying in the background. Mm-hmm. So in between setting up shots, someone thought something was on fire in the set. The whole fucking Rick and Roll of something on fire went into effect, thinking that something right. was actually on fire. The, and everyone like, shut down. And- yes, they acted like it was an actual fire. And then everyone realized, no, 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 that's part of the pre-rendering program that's already in the environment. There's right. nothing actually on fire. So that's how fucking detailed Realistic this, thing, it is. this thing can be. Um, that diatribe aside, uh, uh, Mandalorian walks into the cantina and he's just strutting his stuff. He, he's a full, uh, uh, what, what, yeah. peacocking. Yeah, I'm bad. Yes. Uh, with all his brand new armor, he walks up to grief Karga, and we see all the other bounty hunters like looking at him and shit. Damn. He walks up to grief Karga and grief fucking congratulates him on a job well done uh, loves his new armor. It's like you just made us a lot of money. Woo. I even got some myself, and he pulls out out of his breast pocket like two slabs of Beskar right. uh, steel. He slides it back. I only mention that because it comes into play here in a bit. Um, and the Mandalorian's like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Um, what are they going to do with it? Yeah, because Grief Cargo says you got your pick of the litter, whatever you want. And Mandalorian's like, no, no. did they say what they were going to do with it? I want to. I want to know. And Grief is like, I don't know, didn't ask, you shouldn't be asking either. 
It's against guild policy. Yes. Um, so how about you just take your next job and move on? Maybe go to a, what was it? A Twilight salt bath? It was Yeah, Twilight healing, healing bath. Just like, you know, re- uh, relax yourself a little bit. Mando takes a bounty puck. It's like a, what was it? Uh, a bail jumper, <laughs> once again, um, on the, what was it? I think I wrote it down. The Ocean Dunes of Karnak. He's on the yep. Ocean Dunes of Karnak. And it's a, it's a Mon Calamari. Uh, very much like uh, Admiral Akbar with mm. the big eyes, almost octopus-like. Which, by the way, I well, made... They're, they're more... Well, their heads, their heads are like octopuses. Right. Um, but I wanted to show you my new, my new octopus, Ryan. It's a rocktopus. <laughs> they even have a baby Yoda one, so it's like a Yoda pus. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> it's so absurd, but I love every second of it. <laughs> um, that aside from my stupid 3D printing uh, escapades, um, he he's uh, Mando is basically making his way towards a ship and uh, he gets onto the ship like there's no big deal. He's just out of sight, out of mind, just trying to get the kid out of his head. Um, and we see oh, there's a small exchange between them. I think at the end of the second episode when he's back on his ship and flying off, uh, Baby Yoda takes like the round knob. Well, yeah, he's well, he's touching buttons first. Yeah, it's very much a Baby Groot scenario. Yeah, where he's like, don't touch this, and then he like. Full on is staring at him as he's like touching uh, it. Yeah. Boop. Yeah. Eventually, Baby Yoda takes the knob off of one of the uh, control levers. Uh, Mando gives it to him, and it's like it's his comfort thing to have something like something dopey you would give a child to just like calm them as they're right. in the car with you. Uh, Mando had given that to Baby Yoda, Grogu, um, and then we see the child. The child, or no, he had taken it from him in this instance. He gives it to him later on. He takes it from him after Baby Yoda had taken it off the control knob. Right. He takes it from him and puts it down near the control lever. He goes to move that control lever in this this scene and realizes all the knobs gone. He remembers, oh, I took that from the kid. Like, this is a thing to remind him of the kid. He starts to put it on the control lever. We see him stop. And this is... So one of the critiques for this episode is that you don't really see the guy's face at all, except for like maybe five minutes at the end of the yeah, series. The end. So all the acting is done in the movements of the character. So whenever right. he slows his hand down, get his hand on the control or slowly turns the knob back on the con- uh, control lever, you can see that he's being affected about uh, from it in some way. And this is to the, uh, the great acting from Latif, uh, Crowder and uh, Brandon Wayne. Like I said, the majority of this uh, series was not shot with Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. They hadn't had an actor to fill in the role for the voice yet, so they just didn't have it. It was mainly shot with Brandon Wayne and Latif Crowder. So it's to their, um, I guess, prowess, their acting ability that they're able to convey. Like, oh shit! How much different would this uh, series have been if instead of Pedro Pascal they went with like Bobcat Goldthwait? <laughs> Or Christopher Walken. 
<laughs> just someone with like a very, very like distinct voice. You <laughs> took the baby. Are coming with me? <laughs> what if Warner Herzog? <laughs> I could bring you in cold. I could bring you in warm. Oh, hot. <laughs> um, where is the baby? <laughs> Uh, he uh, don't touch that. Mandalorian immediately powers everything down, and we see him making a fucking decision. He's gonna go grab that kid because clearly he does not think that they are gonna do anything kind right. to the they're child. They're not. They're not being above board. Right. Um, Mando goes up to the uh, main facility and basically knocks on the door. The little eye comes out. We see Mando grab it, rip it out of the wall completely. And then goes Disappear. around and just, yeah, just disappears, goes around the other end as two stormtroopers come out the front of it. Oh, what the fuck just ha- what happened to our eye <laughs> Right. Just gone. Just, <laughs> don't know what happened to him. It just got ripped out by somebody. Um, uh, we see Mando get up to the back of the building. He puts a few grenades to the, the wall, walks away. It explodes. He walks in and takes out motherfuckers left and right. Um, we see him just melt one of them with his arm gauntlet, like flamethrower, just melt him down. Well, first he's like taking him down very predator esque, yeah. like in the darkness. He gets like two of them, and then they're like, "Oh fuck, yeah. shit, something's attacking us!" Um, and more start showing up, and then he gets in like blaster fights and stuff, and uh, he eventually makes his way to where the Doctor Push Pershings is. And immediately has his gun trained on Dr. Pershing's. And Dr. Pershing's like, no, no, please don't hurt me. Don't kill it. Don't do this. Thus indicating that something's going on. Dr. Pershing's doesn't want the child to be harmed in any way. Well, and there's also a scene before he decide, actually decides what to do where he's, like, listening in through oh, the Oh, that's wall, right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, client. the client tells Dr. Ker- Pershing to, uh, to hurry up and do whatever he needs to do and then kill it. Yes. And Dr. Pershing is not trying to kill it at all. He wants to keep it alive as right. much as possible. Um, and he immediately, Mando's like, what did you do to him? And Dr. Pershing's like, nothing. He, he's just asleep. Uh, he takes out uh, the, was it, like the interrogation droid that's floating nearby. Mando does. Mm-hmm. And then just basically cold cocks Dr. Pershing's. Takes the child out of this like medical analyzer type thing that's going on around yeah. him. And then makes his way into like this main corridor. And immediately, Mando is surrounded by, like, four or five different stormtroopers. And they're and immediately, they're like, we got you surrounded. Uh, drop the child and put your hands up. And immediately, Mando's like, all right, all right, don't shoot. Let me just put this down. He p- gently puts down the child. And we see him activate something on his wrist. And the whistling birds come flying out of his arm gauntlet, taking out all the stormtroopers around him. We see uh, Mando come out of the main facility with the child in hand. He's got the tracking fob, and it starts beeping on his hip. And we see, uh, we heard earlier that that Grief Cargo had handed out the tracking fobs to basically, or the client did. Basically to everybody. Everybody. So, and as the child's being taken away from the client, we see all those tracking fobs reactivating. Just the beeping and everything goes off. Grief Cargo right away knows who the fuck and what the fuck is going on, why it was reactivated. It's um, basically like, well, fuck. Yes. It's like it's similar to that scene from John Wick where everyone starts getting uh, notifications that John Wick is got a bounty on his head. Um, we see a few of them track uh, Mandalorian right away as he's making his way dif- through different alleys. 
He gets to like the main thoroughfare way and immediately stops because he's surrounded by Grief Karga and all these different bounty hunters. And Grief is literally all of them yes. that were on planet. And Grief is trying to tell him, like, look, let's not do this. Just give me the child and you just fucking just go before anything else fucking happens. Just don't. And immediately, uh, Mando flip does this weird like flip up spin into like nearby droid cart as he's firing at people. Now, if you know anything about Latif Crowder, you know he's like very like martial arts, spinny, backflippy type person. He's a black gentleman with like these long dreads and shit. So him, you know for a fact that it's not Brandon Wayne, but Latif doing that whole spin jump into mm. the droid cart. It's a fucking great fucking scene as he's firing his gun and everything. He gets into this cart and he's laying down on the ground and all these shots are being fired left, right, and center. And it looks like all hope is lost. Um, he eventually takes out his big tuning fork gun and starts firing at a few people, but eventually he just runs, runs out, of, out ammo of ammo and can't hold off them off. And then a bunch of fucking shots are being fired again. And then when all help is lost, boom, all the Mandalorians from under the sewers come out of fucking nowhere and just start laying waste to motherfuckers. And Mando looks up and sees all his uh, Mandalorian brothers and sisters as they help protect the child with him. And immediately, the Mandalorian is like, look, this will expose us. Well, you'll need to find a new hiding spot. And we see the big Paz Vizsla. He's like, this is the way. As they just lay ways to motherfuckers. Eventually, Mando... I think this is the first time they also call the child a foundling. Yes, because Paz Vizsla is like, hey, now you get out of here. Take the foundling with you. We see Mando and uh, the child get up on his razor crest. And as he's about to take off... Uh, Grief Karga comes out of a nearby uh, like compartment area. And he's like, I can't let you do that, Mando. You need to just stop this bullshit. And before he's even able to finish, Mando just whips out his gun, fires him right in the breast pocket area. He goes flying out of the ship. The ship locks up, and right, the ship goes right into in the, the sky. Basically. Um, we see Mando fly off with Paz Vizsla flying at his like starboard uh, off to the side. He's got a jetpack on him. We see Mando say, I've got to get one of those. Cut to Grief Cargo sitting up, and he's been shot right where that Beskar is. He pulls it out, and you can see there's a little blast. Yeah, there. a little singe mark on it. Episode 4, Sanctuary, 42 minutes, written uh, written by John Favreau, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. And it's, it's the first episode we get a little backstory that isn't Mandalorian. That it doesn't start immediately off with the Mandalorian. doesn't do anything to right. deal with the Mandalorian. We just see the small village of these like shrimp farmers, what they call krill. Yeah. Uh, these krill farmers. And while they're just no- enjoying their normal day-to-day, all hell breaks loose. We see these Clatoonian, uh, like dog, uh, like British bulldog face character motherfuckers yeah. come storming out of the woods with like this big ATST right behind them. Uh, we see we all the villagers riding the ATST. No, we just see f- shots being fired yeah. from the woods. We don't see it just yet. Um, but we see a like Clatoonian uh, people come out of the woods, just laying waste the villagers left and right. We see the main characters. What are their names? The daughter, uh, Winta and Omera. They dive into one of the like swampy areas where they harvest the krill, put a basket over their head to basically make it seem like an empty basket's floating in the water, thus concealing uh, yeah, that they're right there. The little girl was chasing a frog or something, and was when everything broke was loose. right by the area, so they weren't able to get back into the safety of the town. 
So they just tried to hide underneath a, a basket. Basket in floating the, in the water. Yeah, in the water. Cut to the main title of this episode, the san- uh, chapter four, Sanctuary. It starts, I think he just approaches this planet, planet Sorgon. Yep, and he like runs a life scan and stuff like that, finds out how many people are down there. Not a whole lot. Which there's not a whole lot of people down there. Is it? So he's like, eh, this could probably, be a good place. This, this could be a good place to hide out. Um, he gets to like this main area, this main like drinking watering hole type area where everyone's congregating. We see a live action Lothcat for the first time. We've only ever seen them in the Rebels TV series, but we see a Lothcat for the first time as it growls at uh, Baby Yoda. A Mandalorian and Baby Yoda are walking in this bar watering hole. He clocks Kara uh, Dune, um, sees her, she sees him. And uh, they sit at a table. We see one of the barmaids come up to him. He's like, hey, what can I get you? Can I get you any bone broth? Uh, any spotchka for you? And immediately Mandalorian's like, no, just uh, some bone broth for the kid. And he immediately asks who that woman is. And the barmaid's like, she's been here for maybe a few weeks. It's like, oh, I don't know. I see so many people. And then he gives her a lot of money. Yeah, that's right. And she's like, oh, she came in about a week ago. And she's been here and she just kind of like keeps to herself not really doing much she always orders this and this and this and this and you know i just have a really detailed oriented mind whenever it for comes the right to, amount of money whenever it comes to money like, <laughs> like i'm basically mr Krabs. <laughs> yes um and as the barmaid walks away immediately mandalorian clocks that oh that woman he was talking about is now gone. she's gone uh he walks out of the bar tells the barmaid to watch the kid flips another like imperial credit or credit towards her as he walks out he sees that th- this woman is nowhere to be found. He turns on a thermal vision in his helmet, and he sees that she's gone behind the building, follows the trail, and immediately they start fighting with each other. And this is one of the scenes that I fell in love with Cara Dune. She's, like, she's fucking kicking his ass left, right, and center. This is a fantastic fight scene where she's like flipping him over and shit. She eventually like rolls. She flips him on the ground and rolls onto him. Uh, he is about to uh, use his flamethrower on her. She pins his arm against the ground as he scorches the earth and not her. It's a fantastic fight scene. It eventually crescendos into both of them on the ground, pointing their weapon at each other. Upside down, like on their backs, pointing their weapons at each other. <laughs> and there's just like a standoff. And then from off screen, you hear... <laughs> yeah. And they both turn and look. And there's Baby Yoda with his cup of bone broth. Just... Looking at him like, it's up. What are you doing? (laughs) And then we cut to some time later, and uh, Cara Dune is basically telling her, I guess, long story short, her life story about what happened. She's an ex-Republic shock trooper, used to drop in, take out ex-Imperial warlords uh, because they were given uh, some town or village fucking trouble. Right, and whenever she saw that he was a Mandalorian... She figured that he was probably from the guild coming to collect on her head. Yep. And he's like, well, no, not really. I'm not here for you. I'm yep. just here trying to trying to hide out. And she's like, oh, cool. That's what I'm doing. Get out. Yeah. This is my plan. And she, she says that she uh, left her duties as a shock trooper because eventually it just became protecting diplomats and uh, bureaucratic bullshit. Right. So, not what she signed up for. Right. So, she, yeah, she tells him, like, she was here first to get out. Mandalorian's like, all right, I guess so. They're about, they're gearing up to leave. We see two people from the village that was attacked. Their names are Cabin and Stoke, and they come up to the Mandalorian. He's like, hey, we heard a Mandalorian was in town. Um, we could really use your help. 
And the Mandalorian, and they're like, hey, we could pay you. And the Mandalorian looks at the credits. He's like, it's not enough. They wouldn't even cover the fuel. So forget about it. And immediately the guy was like, see, I tells the other guy, Stoke. I think Cabin uh, tells Stoke. He's like, see, I told you he wouldn't help us. And Stoke is like, man, we came all this way from the middle of nowhere. And it took us an entire day to get here. So uh, what are we going to do? And immediately... Uh, Mandalorian puts two and two together. He's like, oh shit, it's the middle of nowhere. I could really use a place like that right now. Wait, wait, you said the middle of nowhere? Yes. And he's like, you know what? How about you give me the credits and uh, help me with a few of these things and I'll help you guys out. And we see a small scene where he takes the credits that they've given him, tosses them to Cardoon, who's asleep near a fire nearby. He's like, hey, you ready for round two? And then he tells her, as they're being taken to this village, like, look, I don't know what this entails. It's probably just a bunch of villagers acting hysterical, but um, I could use a place to hide. You could use a place to hide. So we just help them out for a little bit, and we'll be And we have a place to hide. And we have a place to hide for a few weeks. Um, She agrees. As they get to the village, it is now morning, and we see just them going through their normal routine of morning duties and shit like that. They pull up, and immediately kids for the village clock the baby Yoda character, and they run up to him and they start playing with him and he starts cooing and shit like that. Um, Omera uh, uh, welcomes them into the village, uh, shows them to a nearby empty room for the Mandalorian and the small child and thanks him for helping them. Um, And then Omera basically asks him, "Is like, when was the last time you had that helmet off? And the Mandalorian and a almost cute kind of way is like this morning and she's like okay when When was the the last time time you had had it on in front of someone else (laughs) yes he's like uh he he looks out a nearby window you see them out there i was about their age since the last time i had this helmet off around anybody and we see like she's a bit like talking about the kids that are playing with baby baby yoda and we can see on her face she's a bit like oh oh we forgot about that one the giant fucking flag that is your oh the baby honey <laughs> yeah <laughs> where it says like this is the way and like the child the and child the, the force is strong with this, with one. this one yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's a dopey little flag with baby Yoda on it um as and this is <laughs> I don't know if they were thinking or they were just lazy writing but uh, she leaves and she says she's left some food here for him to eat whenever no one's around. And immediately she leaves, closes the door behind her, but he stands at a window, takes his helmet off, starts eating. But the kids are maybe, what, like six feet away from him? Right, not very far. They could easily just turn their heads around and be like, hey, who's that fucker? Oh, that's his helmet. Oh, that's the Mando. <laughs> like, they could easily look at him as he's eating. Hmm, this is good. One of them looks up. Oh, shit! And he ducks behind the, <laughs> right. the wall. That was close. <laughs> right. Um, hey, look at this shiny thing. Grabs the helmet and fucking runs away. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> uh, some time has passed, and now Mando and Kara have ventured off into the woods to see what's been hassling this village. Um, they eventually come up on a trail, and they find a big-ass footprint for an ATST. And immediately, Kara's like, no, I've seen these take out entire bata- uh, platoons of Republic soldiers before there's no way in hell that these people will be able to take out this atst so like there's only two of us we can't this like, is we don't have happen. anything to 
immediately smash cut to uh, Mandalorian is like, hey, you've got to go, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. And Car uh, uh, is like, way to fucking soften the blow. And Mando's like, if you think you can do any better, by all means. And she's like, look, they have an ATST. There's nothing we could do about that. Um, you've got to go because we've got nowhere near enough people to take out that thing. But we've already paid you. You accepted. You're here to help us. And they're like, yeah, but that's before we knew there was a big old fucking chicken. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Big old danger chicken that'll fuck (laughs) us up. Danger chicken, yes. (laughs) And they're like, well, we're not leaving. And Mando's like, okay, well. Listen, bitch, like, <laughs> you don't understand how bad this is. <laughs> like, on a scale of one to ten, you are fucked. Yes, and they're like, no, we're not leaving. Our grandfathers laid these pods themselves. This is our village. That No one's taking it from us. Just train us. Uh, we'll figure out how to beat these people if you just train us type bullshit. Um, we see Mando and Kara look at each other like, all right, all right, let's go from there. They immediately ask, okay, who's fired a rifle before? No one in this village but Omera has. Um, we see a small montage of them all being uh, trained with, like, sharp sticks. We see a few of the weapons from Mando's, uh, ship being handed out to certain people. We see that Omera is firing at a target, and like, she's hitting the, well, everything. They're all, they're all firing at targets with the accuracy of, of a stormtrooper. Of a stormtrooper with a learning disability. <laughs> right. Except for her, who is... Pinpoint accuracy. Pinpoint accuracy. So exactly she, she, she did something in the, her past life where she was like, fuck this village, I'm going to go out and see the galaxy. Uh, some shit happened, she, maybe she got pregnant, and then came back home. And then just lived her life raising her child, Winta, or whatever the fuck. Um, uh, it all uh, crescendos into them training everybody. We see, like, um, barricades being pulled up and brought, uh, like, big spiky barricades brought up. They uh, dig out one of the pits. Yeah, to basically trick the ATST to go into it to try to trap it in one of the pits to bring it down so that way they can take it out completely. Um, Cut to Kara and Mando are now walking through this forest where the the trail leads. Well, they tell the the villagers to be ready because they're going to provoke them to attack again. Mm They get up to the Clatoonian camp and immediately start beating the shit out of fucking any Clatoonian in their vicinity. They get into like this main warehouse where they stole all the spotchka and krill from this village. And they set off a bomb, or they set up a bomb. They're in the middle of this fight. It doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. Mando fires a few rounds. Kara just, like, fucking Kool-Aid man smashes right through it. Oh, yeah! <laughs> they both run out as the entire Boom. thing explodes. We see the ATST walk up along with a bunch of the other, or wake up, along with a bunch of the other Clatoonian uh, bad guys, and they are being chased after by this ATS team. I don't know. Do you think it worked? <laughs> right. They get to the main village. They are now hunkered down with their weapons, waiting for the ATST to walk through the rest of the forest and into the village. And it stops, like, inches away from where it was supposed to, like, be trapped and fall into and doesn't move. And we see it scanning the area. It doesn't see anybody. 
And then immediately Kara's like, shit, this isn't going to work. We're going to have to fucking coax it into taking a few more steps. Um, and then at that point, all hell breaks loose. All the Clatoonian soldiers that come running up start shooting at the villagers. Villagers start shooting back. The fight crescendos into, um, was it Kara takes the pulse rifle from uh, Mando. Yeah, and asks him for it. Yeah, asks him for it. Uses it to uh, entice the uh, ATST to walk a little bit further. She goes and jumps into one of the... Uh... The uh, krill palm things yeah. that's a little bit further away from it and like takes pot shots at it and it keeps trying to shoot her, but it can't get the angle right because she's too close to it. So it takes a step forward trying to get to where it could hit her. It still can't fires a couple more times as she's ducked down. Um, then she turns around, shoots through its eye. Yeah. Blinding it, I guess. And, Making it take a step forward, it falls. You see her like, okay, Mando, now it's your turn. And he's like, well, fuck. <laughs> and just starts sprinting at it as it's like laying on the ground firing. And uh, all of the villagers are fighting the the baddies. Clatoonians. The Clatoonians. The Clatoonians. Yes. Um, and... Uh, the two guys that, like, went and got Mando have sticks and they're just, like, standing there. And uh, the main girl of the village is like, listen, you motherfuckers, it's time to start fighting now. Yes. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, okay. And they, uh, I think they go out and they, like... The main bad guy. Yeah, yeah. they're fighting the main bad guy. And they end up besting him. As... Uh, Mando puts one of his charges on the side of the uh, ATST's head and blows it up and victory. Yep. You um, hear you hear the music. Right. And they all level up. Cut to uh, like several weeks later, and uh, Mando, Kara, and the child have all like spent some time in this village, just hiding from whoever. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kara's like, or no, uh, what is it? Omera walks up, says she's left him some spotchka in the room for whenever you're ready for it. He says, thank you. And then Kara immediately starts giving him, like, shit. He's like, so what happens if you do take off that mask? Are you, like, excommunicated or some shit like that? And uh, Mando's like, yeah, something like that. And um, basically this conversation so, well, turns it's, into... it's. Uh, he's like, no, I'm just never allowed to go back. And she's like, oh, well, you know, take it off. Stay here. Fuck her brains out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, um, live a quiet life. It's good for you and the baby. Yep. Um, basically, the conversation turns into how they're going to leave Grogu here. And uh, because a life of a bounty hunter is no life for a child. Right. And uh, Kara's like, it's going to break his little heart. And Mando's like, I know, but it's the best thing for him. Uh, we see Mando and Omera have a conversation. And she's like, or he's like, hey, um, look, I can't have a child with me because it's not a great environment for a child. So why don't you take care of him while I go off? And she's like, yeah, sure, he could stay here. But why don't you stay? And as they're having this conversation, we see the point of view of another bounty hunter off in the distance as it looks at the uh, village and all the people, 
he clocks Mando and then immediately turns his gun towards baby Grogu or baby Yoda Grogu. Um, and as she's convincing Mando to stay, she's taking her hands and start raising up the helmet around on his head. And before she's even even able to raise it up maybe an inch past his chin, he stops her completely. He's like, no, this is not for me. Lowers the helmet back on his head and immediately a shot rings out. And everybody starts freaking the fuck out. We cut to where that bounty hunter was. His body drops and there's Kara right behind him with a gun to his back or head or wherever. Um, some, uh, well, holding, holding a blaster pistol as Mando walks up and sees that he had a little tracking fob. Yep. And uh, immediately Kara's like, look, they'll never stop hunting that kid. So we need to do something besides leave him here. And Mando's like, yeah, I know. Cut to they, uh, all three of them uh, have left the village. And uh, the, all the little kids are watching Baby Yoda leave as they are, like, very sad about this. Uh, cut to credits. And I think that's it. They, they get back on their ship. No, they go back to the Razor Crest. And Mando offers her the same thing that he, he offered, offered Quill. Quill. Yeah. Like, come be a part of my crew. And she's like, nah, I'm past. Yeah. But, um, you know, we might run into each other again. It's hard to tell. And he's like, okay, well then until next time. And they get on the ship and then they fuck off. And that's the end of the episode. Episode five. The Gunslinger episode. Written and directed by Dave Filoni. <clears throat> it's 36 minutes long, and immediately the episode opens up with Mando being tracked by a bounty hunter um, in his ship. And the bounty hunter says, I can bring you in warm, I can bring you in cold. Uh, we see Mando do a quick maneuver, and he ends up behind the bounty hunter. He says, that's my line, taking out the bounty hunter. The ship explodes that this random bounty hunter is in. But uh, Mando's ship has taken some damage, and he decides to land on the nearby planet of Tatooine. Ship is a bit uh, on smoke or a bit on fire, a bit smoky, shit like that. So it needs some repairs. It's a little bit fucked up. He is told by Moss Eisley uh, command to land in Bay Thirty Five. Uh, he does that, and as he lowers his vehicle into Bay Thirty Five, and we see uh, Amy Sedaris, the great Amy Sedaris, uh, fucking fantastic improv comedian, just all around fucking uh, great fucking actress, uh, playing a character named Paley. Paley Motto is the name of the character. Um, we see a few uh, pit droids walk up to the ship, and immediately Mando fires a few shots in front of it. They freak out, close back up into like their little pit droid stationary form, and immediately uh, Paley Motto is like, hey, w- fucking watch it. What are you doing? You think those droids are fucking cheap? And immediately Mando's like, no droid is working on my ship. And Paley Motto is like, all right, fine, but it's going to fucking take longer. And... It's going to cost extra. Yes. And she starts looking over the ship. She's like, you got some carbon scoring here and there. Um, and then basically she gives him a price. And he's like, uh, I don't have any of that money. And she's like, well, you better fucking find it. Because I'm not working on the ship until I know you've got it. And he doesn't have the kid with him. He tucks away the right. kid in a nearby compartment. Doesn't have the kid with him at all. He's like, all right, I'll get you your money. Just you work on the ship. I will get you your money. You'll be fine. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. He walks into the Moss Eisley uh, Space Katina. It's the fucking iconic fucking Katina, Cantina uh, from the first movie, from uh, A New Hope. It's that same one, only this time they do cater to droids because we have a couple of droids uh, as bartenders in this one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and some things have changed. There's not as many people. We find out that the uh, Moss Eisley Bounty Hunter Guild has left the planet. It's no longer there. And uh, Mando just tells the droid, like, look, no, I'm just looking for a, a small, a few jobs here or there. Do you know of any? And immediately, a small, young, up-and-comer bounty hunter is like, I... He's like, hey, I can... Uh, I can help you. I can help you. I've got a job needs doing. And he's sitting in the same spot as fucking Han Solo when we first meet him. And he shoots... And we see, like, the, the fucking burn marks in the back of the wall. And From shit. where he shot Greedo. Yeah, it's, it's fucking fascinating. But immediately, I'm like, you do not sit in that seat, motherfucker. You do not have the That's, fucking That is balls. not your seat. Uh, and it, it, the character's name is Toro Calican. Uh, it's just this like little punk bounty hunter trying to make a name for himself. Um, and he tells uh, Mando of the uh, bounty on Fennec Shand um, that he needs help. Uh, he doesn't want any of the credits for the uh, bounty. He just needs to make a name for himself. So that he can become a full member of the guild. Yes. And uh, Mando agrees. He's like, all right, you bring some swoop bikes over here to Bay 35, and I will help you out. Mando gets back to the main bay that he left his ship in and basically tells Paley Motto, or no, before he does, he, uh, Paley Motto is playing like some sort of uh, version of Sabacc with yeah. her pit droids. And uh, at that same time, they hear like a weird clang inside the ship. Paley Motto goes up to the ramp, and out comes scurrying uh, Baby Yoda from the ship. Well, she hears like a deep growl or something in mm-hmm. the ship, and she tells one of the pit droids to go get her blaster. And then... As she keeps an eye on things. Right, and then Grogu walks out, and she's like, oh, well, you're... All kinds of adorable. And she's like, did that big scary man keep you in that ship all by your lonesome? As she picks him up and like uh, babies him pretty much. Um, it's like, is Paley going to watch you until he gets back and charge him extra? Yes, she is. <laughs> yeah. uh, some time has passed. Mando comes back to the Bay 35 and he slams the door shut and immediately waking up. Or no, he gets back into a ship and he sees that the kid is gone. And he's slamming things trying to figure out where the kid went. Like, he's fucking panicking at this point. Mm-hmm. We see Paley Motto with the kid in her arm. They're both passed out. They wake up. And immediately, like, Paley Motto is like, hey, what are you doing making all that noise? You nearly, or you woke him up. He was sound asleep. And immediately Mando's like, what are you doing? And she's like, you can't leave a child in your ship unattended. Like, what, what were you thinking? What the fuck were you thinking? And immediately Mando uh, sees that she's just taking care of the kid. Like, there, she she means him no harm. She's been alone with him for quite a while. He's She's just going to take care of the child. And he, Mando's like, hey, you know what? I've got a job that'll get you your money. So, And she's like, great. I've already started working on repairing your fuel lines or whatever the fuck. So the quicker you get your money, the quicker your ship will be repaired. And the quicker, and the you, quicker can get, you can leave. Can leave. Uh, she exits the bay with him as... Toro has a few swoop bikes uh, waiting for him outside the bay. And we see that she and the child are clocked by Toro, but we don't know. We see that he sees them narratively. He doesn't think anything of them until later on what happens with Fennec and all that. Right. And they stop on a nearby ridge and see like a bantha with a dead man trailing uh, with the bantha, like in a circle. They assume... A dead person, and 
the young kid wants to make sure that it's not his bounty, and he's like, why don't you go and check and see? And Mando's like, all right, fucking fine, and goes down and sees that it's a dead bounty hunter and gets fucking shot. Immediately. Immediately. And goes down, pops back up because it hit his Beskar, and runs back up the dune and dives behind it and is like, fuck! Yep. And we get a small little scene before they hit this main area with Tuscans. It's just a small little scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the kid is like, oh, well, like, fuck these guys. And uh, Mando's like, no, we need safe passage through their lands. Give me your binocs. Yeah, because he's like, I hope the the Tuscan Raiders better not give us any issues. And Mando's like, all right, you tell them yourself. And Toro's like, what? And he turns around, and bam, there are two. There's two Tusken Raiders. Right behind him. And then this is where we get the first indication of the Tusken Raiders communicating with sign language. Mm-hmm. They do all, like, these different gestures. Mando repeats the same gestures back to them. And they bargain, and Mando says, hey, give me your uh, binoculars. And Mando, or the kid's like, well, these are brand new, so make sure you don't damage them. He's like, good, because they want them. Um, basically negotiating safe passage for the binoculars. Mm-hmm. And then we get the scene with the Bantha where Mando gets shot uh, in the one of the Beskar plates. He runs back up to where the ridge is, where they are, and immediately Mando's like, hey, did you see where that shot came from? He's like, yeah, from that second ridge out past yeah, from the, ridge, uh, the canyon. Way over there. And he's like, oh, that's probably the only reason I survived then because uh, she was so far away. That's the only reason my Beskar was able to stop that blaster bolt. Uh, yep, and he says uh, anything else, and it would have killed him. And the kid's like, "Yeah, uh, uh, okay, but I've got no best car." And Mando's like, "Yeah, I know." So here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna wait till night, and then we're gonna start firing some flash uh, grenades off in the air to try to blind her vision. Some time passes. The kid makes a dopey joke about potentially killing the Mando about how, "Oh, look at him, he's so he keeps old." Pulling his gun, and, huh? Huh? Yeah. Uh, and immediately, Mando's, Mando's like, like, "You about done?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they make their, uh, dash for the, uh, main ridge where the sniper is, where Fennec Shan is, and, uh, they start firing off a few flash grenades, they blind her temporarily, she takes off her helmet, uh, they fire off a few more, eventually she does end up getting a shot off on one of the, on Mando's swoop bike, destroying it, but not killing him, just, like, sending him through the air as he crashes into the ground, um, uh, he tells... Toro to just keep going as he fires another flash around up into the air, temporarily blinding her. He gets up to the main ridge, and she can't find him at all. She can't find the other swoop bike at Doesn't all. Doesn't know where he is. And eventually he says, uh, nice try or some shit like that. He's basically behind her with a gun on her. Uh, eventually it uh, crescendos into them two start scuffling, and it looks like he's going to get his ass handed to him, and then Mando comes running up. With his gun trained on her. Um, they tie her up. He, uh, They only have one swoop bike. And they have three people. So they need to figure out a way to get all three of them back to Moss Eisley. To right. get the bounty. And to also uh, get Toro Calican his uh, infamy. His legendary status. Whatever the fuck. So he comes up with the idea to take the... Uh, it wasn't a Bantha. What is it? Uh, Dewback. Yeah, Dewback. He's, he comes up with a plan to go get the back that they saw earlier, bring it back here, put her on it, and then him, uh, Toro on the swoop bike, him and Fennec on the dewback. Uh, so he fucks off with the 
just just runs back to where the uh, do back was. Well, he tells the kid to do it first, and the kid's like, well, "No." Cause so you could take off with my you're bounty. Just take off with my bounty, and he's like, "All right, fucking fine, I'll do it then." Mando takes off as Toro is left to watch over Fennec Shand, and Fennec is like, "Hey." I don't know about you, but that Mando sounds awfully familiar from what happened on Navarro. And Toro's like, what are you fucking talking about? He's like, look, there's a Mando who left with a small child uh, that was a bounty uh, and went against guild code and uh, took the child. And if you're trying to increase your legend or whatever, just think about how much better it would be if instead of my piddly ass bounty you bring back the mandalorian that they're searching for you'd be legendary you'd yes. be a you'd be a fucking rock star and he's like wow yeah you're right that's probably a really good idea Pew. um of course that means i don't fucking need you then yep and he fires around right into her midsection she drops dead at this point yep. as we presume um spoilers if you haven't seen any of the other stuff she does come back especially for the book of uh, well season two and the book of boba fett as well We'll find out what happens in Season 2. It's fascinating stuff what they do with Boba Fett and Fennec Shand and how he plays into getting his Boba Fett arm. It's great stuff all around. So she's dead or presumably dead as he takes off back to Bay 35. Some time later, uh, Mando comes running up, or comes trotting up on his dewback and there is Fennec Shand, lifeless. Yep, dead body. Uh, he immediately puts two or two together. He makes his way back to Bay 35. We see that the kid is already there. He's taking the child and Paley Motto uh, hostage. As Mando comes up to the bottom of the ramp, down comes Toro Kalakan. He pushes Paley Motto to cuff Mando, um, and Mando raises his hands up. And immediately, because Toro says, hey, if you don't put your hands up, I'm going to kill this child. And he puts his gun directly in the child's face. Mm-hmm. Mando does, but whenever he does... And he's about to uh, be handcuffed by Paley Motto. She sees that uh, he has a, gren- or a flash grenade in his hand. And immediately she says, you're not as dumb as you look. He says, now she drops to the ground. He fires the grenade, blinding Toro, fires around at Toro, hits him right in the chest, killing him as the child and him go tumbling to the ground. Right. Uh, they immediately think that the child got injured in some manner. He fell from so high up, he might be hurt. They start looking for the kid, and the kid comes scurrying out from behind some crates. Perfectly fine. I was here the whole time! Yep. Uh, They take uh, the credits that Toro had and give it to Paley Motto, and Mando's like, will this do? And she's like, yeah, that'll be more than enough. The good news is she repairs the ship. Yeah, and she she says, the good news is you can also leave. Your ship is pretty much done. Um, She is fully paid off. We see the. Ship take off, uh, but before the episode ends, we see a mysterious character with black boots and some sort of cape on him walking up to Fennec Shan's body. He kneels d- down beside it, uh, puts his hands like up to her neck, cut to credits. We don't know who this is. We find out later on who it is. Episode 6, The Prisoner. Uh, it's 44 minutes long, directed by Rick Famuyiwa and written by, or directed by F- Rick Famuyiwa, written by Christopher Yost. And this is, and this starts off with Mando immediately landing in the space station, and he's greeted by, uh, uh, what is his name, Mark Boone Jr., a fucking fantastic actor. You've seen him in uh, Batman Begins. He plays, what's his name, Bullock uh, in the Batman Begins movies. He's uh, 
in Sons of Anarchy. He plays Bobby in Sons of Anarchy. He's a f- that character's fucking fantastic. Right. Mark Boone Jr. is a great actor. He's been in fucking everything. You see him in fucking what was it? Above the Law with Steven Seagal, a much thinner, younger version of Mark right. Boone Jr. But he plays a bad guy in that. Gets his ass handed to him by a very young Steven Seagal before he fucking went insane. Um, it, Mark Boone Jr., great actor. And Mark is just basically, hey, long time no see, Mando. Uh, so clearly these two characters have a history of some sort. Right. Uh, Mando and him shake hands, and basically, uh, and it, the character's name is Ran Malk. Um, M-A-L-K. So, Malk, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, and he's telling Mando, he's like, look, we got a five-person team, so, and it's a We big- got, we need a... Five-person team for a job. I had four. And you can see that he's got some sort of chip on his shoulder when it comes to Mandal- the Mandalorian. Like, he's, yeah, like he's talking like something happened between the two where Rand did not come out on top as best as he wanted to. Like, something between yeah. the two of them. Um, he escorts him to uh, the man calling the shots for this uh, operation, uh, played by the great Bill Burr. Uh, what is his name? Uh, Mayfeld. Uh, he was a sharpshooter for the Empire, and immediately Mando's like, that's not saying much. He's like, I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. Uh, basically indicating that, yeah, stormtroopers have the worst fucking aim. He knows. He knows. <laughs> yes. uh, and then he tells him about the rest of the team. Uh, Davaronian, and we see like this big hulking beast of a man uh, played by Clancy Brown with big bulging horns on the top. Uh, red skin, almost devil-like visage, if you will. And then uh, uh, the third person on the team... Mando looks at him and like, what's up? I loved you in Legend. <laughs> then he says, uh, the third person on the team is someone that you're quite familiar with, Mando. And up walks a purple Twi'lek. And uh, clearly, they also have history. Uh, Mando she says, and... She says something to him. It's like, oh, if it isn't Mando or something like that. And he's like... Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, like there's some sort of like lover's quarrel going on. Like they had an intimate relationship at some point. Um, and she's got blades all the time. She's got very sharp teeth. Blades with her. She, her thing is like like throwing daggers and what, shit. What's her name? Like Jeanne or Jeanne, something like that? yeah, yeah. Uh, played by the great Natalie... Natalia Tena. Um, she also plays... Uh, what is her name? Nefedora from Harry Potter. Uh, the woman that can change her face with the purple hair. She's in it for a little bit in the Harry Potter movies, like in the later movies and shit like that. Uh, she was the uh, wildling that the Starks take under their wing. Oh, okay. That's her. Um, great, phenomenal fucking actress. And then they tell him that the fourth person on the team, the person that will be uh, uh, piloting the ship, is a droid named Zero. Zero. Uh, an assassination droid named Zero. We see Mando just kind of like, all right, whatever, just kind of like rolling with the punches, like, all right, uh, fine. Uh, And then he finds out that it's a Republic prison ship that they're hitting, and immediately he's like, what the fuck are we doing? This is not the type of heat we fucking need. I'm out. And they're immediately like, look, no, no, no. With Zero, we're going to be able to uh, mask the Razor Crest's, like, uh, calling... Well, marker. No, he first says because they're like, okay, so yeah, we this is our team, and uh, we're going to use your ship. And he's like, nope, <laughs> not using my ship because uh, you asked for me, not for my ship. And they're like, well, we need your ship 
because it's it doesn't it's not wanted by the republic or the empire yes and he's like well why does why is that a big deal and they're like oh yeah it's a republic prison ship and he's like nope <laughs> and, and and uh ran is like basically telling him like look it'll be fine we're gonna mask the your calling card for your ship or whatever like your ship's marker or whatever the fuck so they're not even gonna know it's the razor crest so it'll be fine we got zero fly in the ship he's better than you will ever be in this type of operation that you don't need to fret and uh, you see him a bit apprehensive but uh, agrees they all get up on the ship and immediately, uh, Mando is being accosted by all of them. It, Zero's fine. The ship. he's not part of their crew. Yes. Uh, we see so they Bill. He's the new guy. Yeah. We see Bill Burr asking Mando. He's like, "Hey, uh, do you never take off the mask?" And he looks at Jeanne. He's like, "Jeanne, did he ever take it off?" And he's like, "A girl never kisses and tells." Um, and he looks back at Mando, and he's like, "Look, uh, why don't you just take the mask off? Just tell, take the helmet off. Show us what we got under there. Maybe." Uh, and Bill Burr as May, uh, Mayfield is like, maybe he's a Gungan under there. And this is a fucking fantastic. He goes into like, uh, maybe you said don't like to take off the helmet or some shit like yeah. that. <laughs> uh, basically insulting him, calling him a Gungan. And uh, we see uh, him like uh, signal to Berg. Berg walks up and immediately grabs Mando's helmet and they scuffle back and forth because Berg is a bit like, well, no, Berg opens the weapons because he's yeah, up with right. Zero. Yeah. And Zero's like, I've got this. You can go down with everybody else. And so he goes down and he sees that Berg is in his weapons crate, like reaching for something, and he closes it really quick. And then they start giving him shit. And then the scuffle breaks out after he tries to take off the helmet. He ends up fucking punching him back into. Berg like, punches Mando back into. No, Mando punches Berg. Does he? Yeah, back and uh, Berg, into where Berg like grabs the wall and hits the button, and that reveals... compartment that he's been keeping uh, Grogu in yep. opens up, and there's Grogu, and everyone's like, "What the fuck is that? What the hell is? Are you, is it a pet? You have a pet?" That's and cute. Mando's like, "Yeah, something like that." And before they're even even able to ask more questions, Zero says, "We are nearing uh, the location now." Well, no, um. Uh, Mayfield is like I've never been one for pets really but uh, maybe I'll start with this one and he like goes to grab Grogu and he's getting ready to fight him again and then he's like we're here yeah he's basically like flying all over the place just basically tossing everybody around in the ship um, and Mayfield's like, you could have give us a fucking warning. Jan, Jan, the one. It's like he didn't even give us a countdown. <laughs> Stupid ass droid. <laughs> yeah, they uh they uh lock onto the ship. Uh, we then see like a, a compartment on the bottom of the ship open up, and the outside door for the main ship is right there. They uh insert a device, uh, hit a few things, and it opens up. Uh, we see Mayfield, uh, duck. Into the opening. Well, they're, they're all just kind of standing there. And Mayfield's like, what, me first? And they're like, yeah, always. Yeah, that's right. And then he ducks uh, out through the edge of it to look down and then turns around, jumps down into the actual Well, Caesar's area. two droids, backs up. Droids pass. He jumps down in. Too close to the mic. 
then it's uh, Jian drops in, and then Berg does, and then Mando does. Yep. So now that they're all in the ship and they're making their way through uh, the different corridors, they're talking to Zero. He's telling them which way to go. Uh, they eventually to get to the control room to find out where the prisoner that they're looking looking for, for is. yeah is. They're not Mando doesn't know who they're looking for. They just know they're looking for a prisoner of some sort right. on this ship. Um, they eventually come up to what was it like five, four century droids, uh, Republic New Republic century droids, no. uh, a mouse droid. Is it? Oh, that's right. Yeah, and, yeah, and Berg, Berg shoots, shoots it. it because he is not listening to him. He it shoots it. Come here, little mousey. And it starts backing off. He's like, fuck you. And just fires, and at, fires it. at it. And, and immediately then, Mayfield's like, Berg, what the fuck are you doing? And then that's when the four century New Republic droids come out. Like, full tilt, like, uh, guns guns blazing, uh, just firing at all four of these people. Uh, we see all of them duck into, like, small, like, little... Alcoves. Alcoves that are jutting out from each prison cell. Um, we see Mando slink off somewhere, and Mayfeld, Jian, and Berg are all trying to repel the attack as best they can. And immediately, Mayfield's like, hey, Mando, why don't you take care of them? I heard you're such a great warrior. They look back, no Mando. And Berg, or Mayfield's immediately is like, I fucking knew it. I knew he'd fuck us on this. I told you, Berg. And then you see him pop out from behind the uh the sentry droids the sentry droids vibroblade in hand and like nothing in his other hand with like his like he's got his arm in like a configuration like his gauntlets ready to go um and immediately starts taking out motherfuckers he runs up behind them slides on the ground slices one of their legs takes out one of their legs uh as he pops back up and just rips through these droids like no fucking other uses his grappling hook uh, Everybody else is sitting there watching him fight the droids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, it looks like Berg's about to help, and Mayfield's like, "No, no, 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 no. Just let him deal with it. If he gets killed, he gets killed. But just let him uh, deal with it. If he gets killed, then there's just more credits for us. Right? It's fine. Uh, we see uh, him melt down a few of them, or like one of them, with his flamethrower. Uh, he eventually takes one of the guns and just fires at the rest of the sentry uh, yeah. droids, taking them out. Because th- uh, he's just got his pistol. Yep. Uh, they make it with... The, oh. the last time that they used the rifle, I think, is uh, in Sanctuary. The pulse rifle? Yeah. I don't think he has it here. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have it past Sanctuary, I don't think. I don't think he has it at all for the rest of the season. I'm trying to think if he has it in the end. No. No, he doesn't. Yeah, you're right. The last time he uses it is Sanctuary. Um, it's just the, his regular, like, pistol he's got on his hip and whatever gun is available to him. Yep. Uh, so, they make their way to, like, the main command unit of this prison ship and immediately are, uh, at gunpoint with a New Republic officer, played by Matt Lantern. Uh, he plays, uh, Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars series. That's the guy who voices him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're basically trying to convince this, uh, new Republic officer, like, don't do anything stupid. We're just here for some information and then to release one of the prisoners you got. So just don't do anything stupid. And immediately and Mando, fine. immediately Mando is like, Hey, you only told me that there were, this was a, there were only droids on here, only droid, uh, commanded ship. And Mayfield's like, so what? This one lonely little Republic officer who gives a shit. And immediately the Republic officer pulls out a device and raises it up and Mayfield clocks it. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
Let's not do anything rash. Let's calm down. And immediately, Jian is like, what the fuck is that? And Mayfield tells him. He's like, look, this is a New Republic... Uh, no, Gizmo's getting high. <laughs> a New Republic uh, a beacon that if he activates that, we're going to have uh, fucking like several X-Wings on our there's ass. Gonna be, there's going to be trouble, and it's just going to fucking blow us all up. Yep. And now they're in like a Mexican standoff. We have Mandalorian pointing his gun at Mayfield. Berg pointing his gun at Mandalorian as the New Republic officer is pointing his gun at Mayfield. And Mayfield's pointing one of his guns at New Republic officer and Mandalorian as well. And they're basically like, get your fucking gun out of my face. Mayfield is saying this. And then as they're in the middle of this conversation, we see Jian just sitting off nearby. And she's just rolling her eyes. And eventually the fight, this argument crescendos into Jian just throwing a few knives into this guy's chest. He drops to the ground. Um, She picks her knives up out of his chest, but then they look down and they see that the device that the guy was holding is activated. And Mayfield's like, what the fuck? Were there lights on that before? And um, immediately Mayfield's freaking out. And Zero's like, all right, uh, we just got indication that someone will be here in about 20 minutes. So you guys have got about less than 20 minutes to get the fuck out of there. They start running through different corridors. They end up where the main, uh, the cell is that they need to go to. I think it's like 218 or some shit like that. They open it up, and there is Jan's twin brother, Quinn. Uh, and he's like, Mando, I knew you'd be the one to uh, save my ass. Uh, the man who left me is the man who now saved my me. savior. And before like Mando can even react to that, Berg is right behind Mando, punching him right in the chest. Mando goes flying back into the cell. They close the cell behind him. Quinn, Jan, Berg, and Mayfield all laugh as they run away from where Mando is now encased in this prison. As they're running away, we see Mando in his cell quickly uh, come up with a plan where he's going to grab one of the sentry droids' attention with his grappling hook. He pulls it over, like starts strangling the sentry droid, and the sentry droid brings his arm in to try to shoot at whoever is fucking strangling him, and Mando grabs the arm, rips it off of him, takes the pistol, fires at the sentry droid, killing it, but then he takes the arm that he ripped off, hits a few things on it. Fucking... Yeah, messes around with it and like a probe uh rod comes out. Gets gets his R2 dick ready. Yes, and brings it out and then puts it into like the main like control unit for the door. It spins around, door flies open, Mando is now out. Zero as the four of the the rest of the team make their way towards the uh Razor Crest, immediately tells them he's like, Hey, you've got a problem and Mayfield's like, What? He's out. And Mayfield's like, shit. And Gian's like, I told you we should have fucking killed him when we had the chance. And Mayfield's like, yeah, I know. Fucking don't. Fuck. Just shut up. That's not helpful right now. Now we need to go into problem solving mode. Uh, we see that uh, Mando is back in the main control unit. Everything goes fucking red. Do- doors start closing all around them except for one way where Mando wants them to go. They're making their way through different corridors, trying to race through this uh, main prison ship. They end up. What is it? Uh, Quinn and Mayfield get separated from Berg and Jian. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both agree to find different ways to get onto the ship and uh, take off whenever they all are on the ship. Uh, we see, uh, what is it? Mayfeld and Quinn separate along with Jian and Berg separate to look for different ways to get back to the ship. Mm-hmm. We see Berg makes his way back to the main control unit. A big control area, and Mando is up in the uh, like ceiling, watching him as he's making his way into like this control room. He takes his grappling line and hooks it around 
Berg's throat and just tries to hang him there. Like, kill him, make him pass out, whatever the fuck, but it doesn't work. Immediately, he pulls Mando out of the ceiling and just starts smacking the shit out of Mando. Like, rubbing, like, smashing Mando into the console and, like, dragging his face across the console. Sparks flying everywhere. Yep. Uh, the fight basically crescendos into Mando uh, using his flamethrower gauntlet, just in ca- uh, enveloping Berg in just nothing but fucking hellfire. It doesn't affect Berg whatsoever. He's a big demon-like character. Of course, it wouldn't affect him. Um, uh, he then pushes uh, Berg into the main doorway. He closes the door down on Berg. He goes slamming into the ground, but immediately slurps. Like, oh, yeah, it's probably fine. It's done. Starts slowly... Ra- Berg does start slowly raising the door that closes horizontally uh, up, and it looks like he's gonna get the best of this door. <laughs> and, and then Berg's Mando like, closes. Yeah, what now? And Mando's <laughs> like, "All right." And he fucking closes the other set of doors. the vertical set of doors that come closing on either side of Berg, uh, basically incapacitating the man. We think he's uh, been killed at this point. Uh, cut to uh, was it Jian? is making her way through the different corridors. Mando comes up behind her, but she hears him, and she starts, f- f- like, flinging, flinging uh, knives at Mando, left, right, and center. It, one hits him in the arm, but eventually the uh, knife fight is, uh, they start, uh, Mando has his vibroblade, she has one of her daggers. It's not a very long uh, knife fight. He eventually bests her within, like, a few moves, but it's a nice little decent knife fight, but he ends up having the throat, or having a knife at her throat. Cut to... He is now, uh, Mayfeld is now in like this main corridor where the lights are like flickering on and off. Mando comes up behind Mayfield, doesn't hear him. All we see is like the lights flickering on and off. Mayfield looking around. We see Mando coming up behind him like a fucking like demon. Yeah, like a ghost. ghost. Comes up behind Mayfield. We hear, uh, as he's up behind Mayfield, we just hear from Quinn's point of view, just yelling, uh, Mayfield screaming out in pain or some shit. Cut to... Quinn comes up to the main ladder where they all entered from, and Mando says, Quinn, stop. And at the same instance, we see Zero trying to look for the small child. And it's not working, and eventually he finds the main corridor where the small child is. Quinn is looking at the child and is about to fire at the child. Zero is. Zero is, not Quinn. Uh, We see Mando and Quinn talking, and Quinn's like, hey, you know what? Forget all the others. Your job was to take me to Ran. So whatever Ran's paying you, I'll make sure he doubles it. Just take me to Ran. Aren't you a man of honor? Yes. Um, and then uh, Ran, or before they end their conversation, Quinn's like, what happened to the others? And Mando's like, they got what they deserved. Cut to, they are now back on the ship, or Mando's on the ship. He sees Zero's about to kill the child. Kills Zero. Zero goes down. And we see the child raise up his hand like he's trying to do something to Zero. And we see just sparks and a hole open up in Zero. And we see the child look at like, his hand. Holy shit, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> yeah. And then he sees that Mando is the one that actually shot Zero. Cut to Mando, Quinn, and the child back on Ran, uh, Ran's uh, space station. And Quinn comes out of the ship. They, the two of them hug Quinn and Ran. And immediately Ran is like, hey, so... What happened to the others? And Mando's like, "Look, you said no questions. You said no questions. So no questions. Uh, I've got your bounce. I got your guy here. That was the uh, plan. So uh, what about my money? Pay me now. 
And Rand's like, all right, here. I thought you said no questions. Uh. <laughs> Rand tosses in the money, and uh, Mando says, just like old times, huh, Rand? And Rand's like, yeah, Mando, just like old times. Mando gets in his ship, flies off, and then we hear Rand in a calm link say, all right, take him out, or something uh, to that effect. Uh, we see a gunship starting to power up and roll up, and then we see, hear that same beeping from that tracking device that that appear or that Republic officer activated. Quinn sees it nearby, and he looks at it. He's like, "What is this?" Rand clocks it as the gunship completely turns around, is about to fi- be fi- shot out of the space station to go take out uh, Mando. We see three fucking X-wings pop out of hi- hyperspace. And we see in their cockpits, they're saying, hey, we've got the tracking beacon on some sort of space station. Looks like they're powering up a gunship. Let's take them out. And it's uh, Rick Famuyiwa. Uh, what are their names? So we got Rick Famuyiwa. He's playing a character named Jib Dodger. Uh, Dave Filoni's playing a character named Trapper Wolf. And Deborah Chow is playing a character named uh, Sosh Ketter as Republic X-Wing fighters. And uh, we just see them... The X-Wing fighters just laying waste to the space station. Quinn and Ran are basically killed. We hear just the explosion happening. Well, Quinn is for sure. Ran kind of runs away. Yeah. Uh, we see that the space station is being attacked as Mando and the child enter into hyperspace. Mando swivels around in his chair. It's like, I told you that was a bad idea. And then tosses him that round knob that the mm-hmm. child likes so much. Bam. Cut to credits. Uh, next two episodes, last two episodes, and they're the two episodes that directly tie into one another. Yeah, they kind of... It's like part, part one, one and two. Yeah. Uh, but this chapter seven, uh, The Reckoning, 41 minutes long, directed by Deborah Chow, who, Deborah Chow ends up becoming the showrunner for Obi-Wan. Mm. Uh, so written by John Favreau, and uh, this episode starts with Grief Karga sending out a message saying, "Hey, Mando, uh, my friend, if you're getting this message, that means you are still alive. That means and that's good fortune because that means their attempts to try to take you out have failed." And Grief tells him, "Like, look, things are not much better here on Navarre, but they're willing to strike a deal with you if you just come on Navarre with the child. I'm sure we can work something out. Just." Please, it's well, shit he's, here. He's more like, it's like, so this is what I propose. I propose you come back, use the kid as bait. We'll sit down with the guy. It's like I can't kill him because it's against guild protocol. But since you're not a member of the guild anymore, really, we'll get you to the same table. You can fucking kill him, and I'll clear your name with the guild. You'll be free and clear, and you'll be in good standing again. And we'll let you keep the kid, you know, no... No harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. Um, we get the sense that Mando knows that this is a trap. Yeah. So he immediately goes back to uh, Cara Sid- or not Cara Sidoon, uh, Cara Dune, and uh, she, and we see that she, uh, f- some time has passed, and she's back at that same watering hole, and she's fighting uh, just a regular Zabrak man, which is the mm-hmm. uh, race of people that Darth, Darth Maul, Maul is. is. We see the tattoos with the horns and everything. And they're fighting, and we see that they're attached to some sort of electrical tether. And whoever breaks the tether loses the fight. So they're fighting back and forth. He's getting a few good shots off. She's get, basically bests him by taking that electrical tether and wrapping it around his neck. He taps out by literally tapping the belt 
for the electrical tether and deactivates it. She wins the fight. Mando sees that she wins the fight. Some time, a few seconds later, she's at the table with like a mountain of fucking credits near her. Um, we see the Zabrak lay his credits down. She's like, come back anytime. As, and this is what fucking bugs me. Like, this is phenomenal acting from fucking Gina Carano. But at this point, I can't fucking stand Gina Carano. Um, because she's acting her ass off, and it's really fucking good, and just the way, the mannerisms, the way that she's fucking stringing words together is just fucking phenomenal, but fuck. Um, and Mando's like, look, I need your help, and she's like, look, I can't get on any sort of transport whatsoever. The moment my fucking ideas ran, the Republic will know where I am. I can't. And uh, Mando's like, look, I've got a ship, so you won't have to worry about that. And then she's like, look, I'm not helping you take out some local warlord. That's not happening. And then Mando's like... I'm not interested. And he's like, did I mention he's ex-imperial? Yes. And she's like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Uh, That's all she says. She looks at him like, I've got some unfinished business with a few warlords. So she's immediately... All she says is, I'm in. So we're back on the Razor Crest. And uh, him and Kara are coming up with a plan. Like some sort of plan to try to... Uh, deal with what's happening on Navarro. And Kara's like, it's a trap. And Mando's like, yeah, I know. That's why yeah, I asked probably. you here. And then as they're trying to figure out a plan to come up with what's going on, uh, we see, <laughs> they don't interact with Grogu, but we see Grogu at the top of the frame of the shot, so, like peer his head down from the little uh, ladder where you get down into like the main cargo hold, uh-huh. look down, and then slowly come out of frame, and then a few seconds pass, and then the but, ship is well, being jostled all no, over the place. Cara Dune's like, are you sure it's okay to like leave him up there alone? Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> seconds later, the ship is the all, ship over, is the all over the fucking place. Uh, we see that uh, baby Grogu uh, has grabbed the control stick for the ship, and it's just all over the fucking place. Just <laughs> Yay! laughing his fucking full head off as the ship is just all over the place, just jostling back and forth. Uh, Mando tosses him, uh, the child to Kara as he tries to correct the ship. And Kara, right away, she's like, we got to find somebody to take care of him. Like, I don't care. We need to figure this fucking out. Immediately, we cut to uh, Kara, Mando, and baby Yoda all at Quill's place. Basically, Mando's asking Quill, he's like, hey, uh, I could really use your help. I need someone to look after the child while I go deal with this stuff on Navar. so Navarro. Navarro. So Navarro is a town in Ohio, <laughs> right? Navarro, please just watch after, look after him while I uh, do. And uh, Quill's like, "Look, I'm not gonna look him, look after him on here, but what I can do is I will go with you. We'll take a few blurgs to ride into Navarro." Right when they're having this conversation, in walks that IG unit from earlier, and immediately Mando pops up and raises a gun at him. And Quill's like, "No, no, no! Don't, don't! Just wait." And then we get the uh, flashback scene, montage scene of Quill going back to where Mando took the child from the main compound. And he says as much based on the New Republic's rule of if you fucking see it and you claim it, it's yours. Uh, Finders Keepers is pretty much the new rule with the New Republic as they're trying to rebuild the Republic. Uh, He took the uh, IG uh, unit. 11 droid. 11 droid. And he said he reprogrammed it. And we see him, like, tinkering with it. And we see him basically, like, reprogramming, basically it having to relearn everything from walking to moving its arms to handling cups. And basically he says... Shatters a whole bunch of cups. 
drops a fucking crate, crate on, on a lizard, lizard <laughs> like obliterates it with the weight of the crate. And we see that in Quill says, like, look, droids are neutral reflections. They're not good or bad. They are neutral reflections of their makers. Right. So it's whatever they fucking are programmed to do, they will fucking do. And he's like, I programmed this IG unit to be nursing and protection unit. He's not going to harm us. He's perfectly fine. There's nothing. Right. He's We're okay. And we see the droid lay the tray down that he was being trained on in the montage. And now he's able to do everything. Pour the tea, the water, the whole nine yards. Cut to them back on the ship. And uh, they're basically through hi- going through hyperspace. We see the IG unit off on the side, like preparing something. As Kara and Mando are having like an arm wrestling match. Mm-hmm. As a few blurgs are pinned up. Uh, on the side while Quill is tending to them. They're having this, uh, Mando and Kara are having this arm wrestling match and it looks like Kara's about to beat Mando. And then all of a sudden we see uh, uh, Baby Yoda Grogu look at Mando, then look at Kara, then look at Mando. And immediately he, his eyes like going to like, what are you doing? Like anger face at Kara. That's my sky. Yeah, this isn't the Mandalorian. It's uh, the adventures of Sky Daddy and Frog Eater. <laughs> right. He immediately raises his hands, and Kara is immediately being choked to death. And Mando's like, "What's going on?" As Kara's like grabbing at her throat, like something's choking her. He looks over at the baby Yoda and doesn't think anything of it for a second. And then he's like, "Oh shit! Wait a minute! Oh fuck!" And he immediately Stop that. grabs the baby Yoda. He's like, "No, no, she's a friend. She's a friend. We we're just playing a game. She's a friend." And immediately, uh, Baby Yoda loses his concentration, looks at Mando. We see Kara's now gasping for air at this point. She's breathing fine, but she's gasping for air. She's like, that thing needs to fucking be locked up. And immediately, Quill's like, I've heard stories of this in his Nick Nolte voice. Um, He's like, I've heard stories of this, like of an ancient power. Um, And he doesn't give uh, Mando much to work off of, but basically tells him of an ancient power that he can use his mind to control things. Mm. Cut to them landing on Navar, Navarro, Navarro, Grief Karga and his men. He's got two men with him. Mm-hmm. They approach the Razor Crest, which is on like the outskirts of Navarro, and they uh, we see Mando, Kara, uh, and Quill all come down the ramp. Well, and um, another thing that happens in that montage is Kara uh, is talking to Quill. And mm. uh, is saying that, you know, he's, he's basically, he says that he's ex-imperial because he was sold into indentured servitude. indentured servitude. And he ended up paying off his debts with the works of his hands. And she's like, oh, you're a fucking imperial. Like, I fucking hate you. And he's like, no, I was sold to them basically as a slave. I ended up paying off my debt and my whole clan's debt by the work of my hands. And Mando asks him to, like, make the bed. The pram. Uh, why don't you use your uh, ability to build things or your hands to make a new pram? And he says, like, I'll I'll show her the way that I was able to earn my freedom. Mm-hmm. So Grief is greeting them at the ramp and immediately Grief is like, look, I get why you brought back up, but <laughs> with the shock trooper and her tattoo, no, it, this is not going to fly well with the, right. the stormtroopers. We're going to die right away. Yeah, and uh, Mando says, they're coming with me, I don't give a shit. And then uh, Grief is like, alright, if she covers up the tattoo, 
by the time fine. we get into Navarro, be perfectly fine. Uh, we see them making their way can across. Can I see the baby? And he looks at Baby Yoda, and he's like, oh, I can see why you wouldn't want any... I can see why there was such a fuss made for this little thing or and, some shit like that. Uh, I can see why you're willing to go through such great lengths to make sure that like a single wrinkle isn't hurt or something like yeah. that, talking about the way that he looks. and Yep. Puts him back in the pram. Some time has passed. It's later in the night. They're now all sitting around a fire and just reminiscing about what has happened since Mando has left. About how once he left, all hell broke loose. The Bounty Hunters Guild was dissolved and the Imperials came over and took over the town. You can't even get in and out of the town without a, some sort of chain code authorizing you to get come and go mm-hmm. as you want. Um, and as they're just sitting around reminiscing, they are immediately attacked by these winged creatures. No, um, he's talking about the plan. He's like, yeah, we'll get you sat down across from him. You kill him. Should be easy peasy. We won't run into any problems. Yeah, that's right. As he like goes up to get a piece of whatever they're eating off the fire and he gets dive bombed. He's like, ah, shit. <laughs> yes. Uh, his arms all fucked up. Problem. Problem. Yep. And then we see uh, one of the blurgs t- being taken up into the air by w- one of these winged creatures we see another one about to be assaulted by another winged creature but it gets dropped as everyone just opens up fire well as mando kills it yeah as uh, they fly off and everybody's like uh, reeling from the attack uh grief is his arm is all fucked up from the initial attack and he's got poison running through his hands through his arm uh, we see baby yoda get out of his pram and walk up and he has his hand well you up. see cara dune uh yeah trying to like m- medicate him in some manner First aid. He's like, oh, it's really bad. And she's like, no, no, it's not that bad. And then she scans it. She's like, oh, fuck, it is that bad. Like, the poison's still spreading, even though I tried to stop it. Like, there's nothing I can do. You're going to fucking die, bud. Yep. And we see that the poison's slowly creeping its way up its arm. And then Baby Yoda comes up with his hand up, and he puts his hand on the wound. And (laughs) immediately, Grief Cargo's like, it's trying to eat me. Uh, but we see him, Baby Yoda, concentrate. We see the wound starting to close they, up. They were feeding him, and he was eating the meat. Yes. And he's like, oh, it's a carnivore. Yes. Uh, we see the wound starting to close up. We see the poison coming out of the skin. And and then Grief Karga is completely healed. Like, there was no issue whatsoever. And Baby Yoda takes a nap. Yep, he passes back out. And uh, Grief and all of them are completely just, like, mind-blown. Like, this young thing healed him oh my god is that chris angel my <laughs> mind just got freaked <laughs> right um some time has passed they are now outside of navarre and navarro navarro god damn it navarro but we see that grief Karga is ahead of everybody we've got quill with the child and kara and mando in the middle and then we have the two men with uh grief right behind them they stop look at the town we see the two bounty hunters with Grief walk slowly up behind Kara and Mando. And right then and there, we see Grief pop around with his blaster in hand and fire two rounds at the two bounty hunters with him. As they have all, their guns in hand. As they all pull out their guns and stuff. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. The original plan was to fucking to kill you and take the child. But... You know, as it saved my life and stuff, I kind of see why you want to keep it around. So I decided to be change a, things up. Be a, be a decent person instead right. of a dickhole. 
So they quickly come up with a plan to uh, act like they have kidnapped Mando. Kara covers up the shock trooper tattoo on her arm. Um, Quill is going to take the child back to uh, the ship and wait for uh, Mando's word to get, either leave or come and get them. Um, but they are going to pretend that they have the child in the pram with them. And the pram is going to come with them while the child and Quill go back to the Razor Crest. They approach the town uh, on Navarro. Uh, they see that they the chief, or not chief, but Grief Karga needs a command code to get back into the town. He hands him that. Uh, we see that the stormtroopers there are giving Mando shit. He demands that he gets Mando's helmet once the Mandalorian is killed. Uh, Grief says, no, it'll be up on my wall. He offers him 20 credits for it. And he's yeah. like, no, it'll be on my wall. And Mando just looks at him and is like, on your wall? And he's like, just go with it. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to sound like a tough And ass. Grief says that there's maybe like six or so guards in the actual cantina itself. So if we take out the... Four. Four, four stormtroopers along with the client. If we take out all five of them, then we'll be able to just mop up the place. Uh, around the cantina but as they're going through this small town they see that there's way more stormtroopers than they were fucking initially told as Kara is saying as much under her breath she's like this is way more than you fucking said and you said there'd be four stormtroopers like yeah with the with the client but like in the town there's more yes uh they get into the cantina and immediately we see the uh client stand up and he's like he says something along the lines of, uh, clearly, uh, I don't understand you Mandalorians. Why can't you just see that whatever the Empire touches, it makes it 10,000 times better. I don't understand any of you Mandalorians. Why can't you make, why can't you just let the Empire do what it wants, when it wants, or some shit like right. that. And then he says uh, one of my favorite lines, one of the best lines that I've figured. So I have tried to figure out ways to fit quotable lines in my day-to-day like recently you know how the job at being a security guard uh-huh. at the the plant is is it can be really fucking uh anger inducing uh-huh. and one of these times i was screaming at it not screaming but yelling at a fucking truck driver to do better because he was being a fucking moron he was like turning around in the middle of the street to go down further down at a different part of the plant and it was just it was a fucking mess right nearly hit two cars it was just a mess. So I got out and started yelling at him, fucking doing, telling him, hey, no, go this way, then back. It was a fucking hellhole. So I got back into the goddamn uh, guard office, and then someone called me. So uh, Tom with MPW called okay. me. He's like, hey, Greg, hey, we're out of here for the day. He's like, yeah, hey, okay. I, I said on my end. He's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And apparently I sounded different. He's like, hey, is this Greg? I was like, yeah, this is Greg. Who is this? He's like, this is Tom from MPW. I was like, okay, yeah, that's what I figured. It's like, uh, and Tom said, it's like, oh, you just sounded different. It was like, well, I've got fucking truck drivers here with their idiot brains getting fucked by stupid. So, yeah, I'm going to sound a bit pissed. And that's a line from The Boys. That's one of my yeah. favorite lines from the, the most recent season of Boys. Um, he says it to what's her name? Um, Homelander says, is your idiot brain get, being fucked, being by, fucked stupid? by stupid? Um, and I want to figure out this line from Mandalorian on how to fit it into my day-to-day. And it is, can I offer you a libation to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative? I love that line. It is so fucking brilliant. Just start saying it whenever, like, you tell the driver how to uh, how to do everything. 
And then we could celebrate. They go, okay. And then just, can I offer you a libation? And like, <laughs> hold up your, like, your Pepsi or your water or whatever you're drinking at the right. time. Um, uh, and then as he it, get, offers him drinks and stuff, uh, we, the, Werner Herzog, uh, the client. Honestly, that's the, I think that's the best way to like quit a job. <laughs> at the end of it after you say quit now can i offer you a libation yeah you just like um i'm out of here this is fucked you're all fucked i fucking hate you peace out may i offer you a libation <laughs> to, to celebrate, celebrate a, the closing the of closing our, our shared, shared narrative, narrative. <laughs> maybe <laughs> that's a job that you know you don't want to go back to like like you're shitting on the boss's desk. That's your two-week <laughs> yeah, notice. It's just right. a big old fucking <laughs> coil. On the... Right. In the middle of the desk. <clears throat> um, but yeah, he offers them drinks. They get drinks. And then he's like, uh, I want to see the baby. <laughs> Can I see the baby? And then uh, Grief is like, no, no, he's sleeping. He, sleepy time. He's a big boy. He needs his rest. And then, and then, and then we'll all be very quiet. <laughs> In his very like Werner Herzog way, he's like, "We'll all be very quiet." And then before they can open up the pram and all hell breaks loose, he then gets word that someone's on the nearby calm unit for him. He's like, "If you excuse me for a second, I, need I to hope go. you won't think I'm rude, but I must take this call." Yes. Uh, he gets up, and we see an image of Grief Karga, or not Grief Karga, but Moff Gideon. Uh, up here and Moff Gideon is like hey do they have the child and uh, the client is like yes uh, he's right here he's sleeping in the pram right now and uh, Moff Gideon is like you may want to check your you may want to check again check again and he turns around and is immediately fucking railed by a blaster yep uh, there's uh, like several death troopers on the other side of the cantina and uh, fucking thousands of shots are being rung through this cantina we see all the stormtroopers in this cantina, along with the client, riddled with blaster bolts, and dropped to the ground dead. Uh, which sucks, because I would love more with the client, or whatever his name would eventually be, because I love Werner Herzog in this role. He just As he's laying there gasping for breath, he's like, but I didn't get to see the baby. <laughs> right. Uh, and as all that chaos happens... Now I'll be very quiet, because I'm dead. Yeah. And we see uh, Mando get out of his cuffs with his blaster in hand. He gets the comm unit to uh, Quill. He basically tells Quill, get the fuck out of here. Uh, we've just been uh, attacked. You just take the child and get the hell out of here. And we see him on his blurg just hauling ass back to the Razor Crest. Um, uh, we see Kara with her, like, uh, M15, or M whatever the fuck. Uh, Gatling blaster. Gatling blaster. Uh, and then Grief has just got his little pistols with him as they're trying to return fire and shit. Um, we see a bunch of stormtroopers come out of uh, trooper transports nearby, and they all line up behind the death troopers who now have stopped firing and just have their guns trained on the cantina itself. We just see dozens of them fucking just pour out of all these different transports. Uh, we then see an Outlander TIE fighter come out of the sky, strafe across the sky, come out of the sky. The two side panels close up, and the TIE fighter just basically lands uh, really low to the ground because those two panels close up, mm -hmm. basically fold in half for it to land. And out comes Moff Gideon, and his badassness just walking, slowly striding up, 
to the front of this cantina. And he uh, yells, and then we're cut with different small scenes of uh, Mandalorian saying, Quill, get out of here. We hear a few scout troopers hear that message, get the communications. On their speeder bikes. The ones on their that were speeder bikes. sitting at the like front of town. Yeah. Um, they get the communications. They go running after Quill. We see Quill hauling ass towards uh, the Razor Crest. And then we have uh, Moff Gideon saying all this in the middle of all these like small scenes of like, Quill, oh, is Quill going to make it? All the scout troopers are nearly there. Is Quill going to make it? Is Quill going to make it? And then we hear Moff Gideon say, you have something I want. You may think you have some idea of what you are in possession of, but you do not. In a few moments, it will be mine. It means more to me than you will ever know. And then right when we hear more than you will ever know, we hear Mando say, Quill, come in, Quill, come in. And we just see the lone communicator on the ground. The camera pans past it, and we see Quill's lifeless body with like smoke rising from where he was shot. Mm-hmm. And then cut to Grogu uh, on the ground, wrapped up in some sort of blanket, as a scout trooper comes by and scoops him up and speeds off. Cut to credits. That's the end of that episode. Well, there's also, um, like, he tells them in the, or maybe that's not until the next episode. It's the beginning of who they are? No, the, um, the how do we know we can trust No, that's them. the beginning of this okay. episode. Um, because he, he starts it off with this long speech that I made sure I typed out. Um, so we got the next episode. The last episode of season one is 49 minutes long. Uh, Redemption, directed by Taika Waititi, written by John Favreau. And it is, uh, it starts off with those two scout troopers with the uh, Grogu child uh, in the sack that, or messenger bag that they have with them. They stop on the outskirts of town. They radio to the one of the officers there. He's like, uh, unit whatever to command, uh, do you copy? We have, uh, the child for Moff Gideon, do you read? And he's like, the guy replies back, yeah, I hear you loud and clear, but you may want to hold tight until I get word that you can come down here because Moff Gideon just laid waste to an entire battalion down here, uh, without even thinking twice. So. Shit's, shit's kind of messed up right now, so just hold out, hold on out there and yep. we'll, we'll see. And they're like, Ugh, fine, fine. We'll just hang out out here. Yep. And then the one that has Grogu in the like in his bag, whatever. The other one's like, uh, hey, can I see that? And he's like, no. Like we're not going to open this bag until we give it to Moff Gideon, because like, I ain't I'm, opening it. I'm not going to cross him. You just heard and, what happened. And uh, you hear like. Grogu cooing and stuff, and the one just keeps like bapping it on the. Not bapping. He straight up punches the bag. No, the second time. No, he they does. both do. They both punch no, no, that no, no. bag. The second time he does. The first time he just like quit, <laughs> like slaps it, and then they just keep talking back and forth, and then uh, Grogu starts cooing again, and he's like, "I said quit," and punches, punches the bag. It. <laughs> And then uh, the second one's, like, trying to think of different ways to get him to open the yeah. bag. And he's like, 
It's like, hey, do you think we should give that thing some water or something? <laughs> and he's like, no, you just want to open the fucking bag. To see it. <laughs> to see it. And he's like, well, you got to see it. <laughs> he's like, yeah, only for a second. Yeah, well, for a second. Well, I picked it up and put it in the bag. <laughs> but I haven't looked at it since. Yeah. Well, how long has it been since it moved? Yeah, I think you hit it pretty hard, so... It's only been like a minute. Well, it's been longer than a minute. You hit it pretty hard. Maybe we should make sure it's still alive. So, no, I'm not going to fucking open the bag. Like, it's not, not happening. Gonna, not going to do it. And He's then like, they, oh, come on. But what if it's dead? And What you, if it's dead and you go to present it to Moff Gideon and it's dead? And how do you think that's going to go? You know how that's going to go? And he's like, oh, oh fine. Fine. Let's look at it. <laughs> yes. They he, open the bag. They open the bag. And there's Grogu just perfectly fine. Just looking at him like, what's up? And the other guy brings his finger up like he's going to poke it. The second one, though, he does poke it. Like, or he does poke him like twice. And he's like, huh. All this for this little thing. And, and he's it, not paying attention. He's not paying attention. Still got his finger there. And still got his finger there. And fucking Grogu bites it. And he's like, ah, <laughs> oh, you bitch! And, and he straight him. up cold cocks fucking Grogu. <laughs> Um, and then while they're done with this exchange, we see the IG-11 unit step into frame. Well, b- before that, we get a second uh, radio in. He's like, uh, hey, like, we're still waiting. Did you uh, hear anything yet? And he's like, yeah, you're going to want to keep waiting. Uh, we sent an officer down to, uh, to, you know, to ask if you guys could come in. And uh, Moff Gideon had him executed for interrupting <laughs> yeah. him. So just kind of hang out. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Yeah, and then that's when the IG-11 unit comes in, steps into frame, and he's like, hey, um, let's not do that to the child. And immediately the guys were like, what is an IG unit doing here? Aren't they just assassin droids? And the IG unit, voiced by Taika Waititi, is like, no, I'm a nursing droid. And they both chuckle at this. And we see that the IG unit is now standing in front of them. And one of these scout troopers points his gun at uh, IG, and he's like, you need to get the fuck out of here. And immediately, IG's not having any of it. Grabs the guy's arm, twists it around, breaks it, twists it the other way, breaks it even more, and then flips the guy onto his back. Then grabs the second guy by the head, and then just slams him into the goddamn swoop bike that he was just sitting on. Over and over (laughs) again. Just over, over, bam, 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 till he's just lifeless. Either dead or unconscious at this point. He takes... Picks up Grogu is like, I'm sorry you had to see that. <laughs> yeah. Straps him onto his chest, takes the other swoop bike, and hauls ass towards the town. Cut to Moff Gideon outside with all the troopers that just left him at the end of the last episode. We see uh, Mando, Grief Karga, and Cara Dune all scrambling, trying to figure out some way to get the fuck out of this alive in some manner. And Mando's like, hey, if we can figure out a way to get into the sewers where the uh, Mandalorians are, we can get to the Mandalorian covert and just, uh, they'll be able to help us with whatever we need. So we just need to get there. And then uh, Kara's like, sure, where's the nearest access point? We see Mando in his helmet. He's trying to scan the room for the nearest access point. He ends up finding it. He's like, it's behind this chair. They rip the chairs out. We see Kara. uh, It's like a big steel metal grate that they have to get through. It's not easy to open, so they have to figure out some way to open it. Mm-hmm. Kara takes her big Gatling uh, gun and try, just unloads around the edges of it, and it's not working. We cut to Moff Gideon outside hearing this commotion happen. Then he says, Your astute panic suggests that you understand your situation. I, pre- I would prefer to avoid any further violence and encourage a moment of consideration. Members of my escort have completely assembled of completely 
completed an assembly of an E-Web heavy repeating blaster. We see that also going on mm-hmm. as this, as they're trying to figure out a way to get out as well. If you are unfamiliar with this weapon, I am sure that Rebellion Shock Trooper Kara Cynthian, Cynthia Dune of Alderaan, which is a great fucking like little detail. She's an Alderanian yep. like Princess Leia. Um, she watched her entire culture and people be eviscerated by the right. Empire. Will advise you that she has witnessed many of her ranks vaporized mid-descent facing the predecessor of this particular model. Or perhaps the decommissioned Mandalorian hunter Din Djarin has heard the songs of the Siege of Mandalore when gunships outfitted with similar ordnance laid waste to the fields of Mandalorian recruits in the Night of a Thousand Tears. We get all this, the Siege of Mandalore, the Great Siege, tier, uh, the, was it? Night the, of a Thousand Tears. Night of a Thousand Tears. All that happens in Clone Wars Season 7. It's fascinating stuff to watch. Um, but we actually get the Mando's real name in this instance. Din Djarin is his actual yep. name. Um, and then he goes on to say, I advise disgrace a magistrate Grief Karga to search the wisdom of his ears and urge you to lay down your arms and come outside. The structure you are trapped in will be raised in short order and your storied lives will come to an unceremonious end. <clears throat> a few seconds pass. Um, we see Grief yell out, how do we know you will... How do we know we can trust you? Trust you. And Grief, uh, Moff Gideon's like, you don't. Like, you can't. I will fucking do oh, what I want no, when no, I no. want. No, no, no. So, <clears throat> see, the thing you're asking yourself is, can you trust me? You can't. The only thing that you can trust is that I will act in my own self-interest. That's it. And right now, my self-interest is to, you know... Kill you. <laughs> let you... If you come out... If you, you know, try to escape to kill you, but if you come out and give me the child, give me what I want, and I will go away. Like the fucking... <laughs> Bad war- guy. Like a fucking warlock from Storm of the Century. <laughs> right. Um, uh, and at that same instance, we see Mando say, I know who he is. And the uh, Grief and uh, Kara are like, who is he? He's like, it's Moff Gideon. And Kara right away is like, no fucking way. No. He was executed for war crimes. And uh, Mando's like, there's only one person that could have known my name. And that is Moff Gideon. He was there at the Siege of Mandalore. He was an ISB officer, which is a Imperial Security Bureau officer, which is just basically like their loyalty officers to make sure that whoever says that they're Imperial are actually Imperial right. in nature. And he, they would do horrible things. They were like the SS of like the Nazi regime. They would do horrible things to people that they suspected were not actual Imperials or just regular folks that they thought were rebel spies, shit like that. Mm-hmm. So they were just the evil of the evilest type of people. Um, and Moff Gideon was part of that team. And um, Mando says, like, there's only, like I said, uh, there's only one person that could have known that, Moff Gideon. Well, no, he says, like, the only place that that was ever recorded, my real name was ever recorded, was in the... Whenever uh, I was a foundling on the logs of in logs on Mandalore, and then <clears throat> Cara Dune's like, "What? You're not Mandalorian?" No, no, that's grief that says, "Wait, you're not Mandalorian." And then Cara's oh, yeah. like, no, "No, Mandalore is not a race." Then Mando says, "It's not a race. It's a creed." Cut to a flashback of what we get his entire fucking flashback of what we got remnants of of him being run through the city with his parents, uh, him being held by his mother, them putting him into some sort of like storm storage area, uh, it, it closing, up. the bomb exploding, then the doors opening, and we see like a battle droid, the super ready battle droid, him. ready to kill him, and then it gets eviscerated by something. 
And then we get the this guitar riff that fucking ends all guitar fucking riffs as a Mandalorian comes out from the shadows, uh, basically blotting out the sun there to rescue the child. It uh, brings the child up and we just see several fucking Mandalorians everywhere, everywhere, taking out fucking battle droids, super battle droids, fucking everybody that's killing these people, laying them to fucking waste. We see another Mandalorian nod to the Mandalorian that has Din Djarin and then point to the sky. He takes the kid by the uh, waist, hoists him up on his hip. They walk forward for a bit and then fly up into the sky. Right. That's the end of the memory. Um, thus indicating that this is how I became a foundling of the Mandalorian people is by being rescued by, by them, them. Uh, from this separatist attack uh, of battle droids. They're trying to come up with a plan and how to – or. Moff Gideon says, I'll give you until night. To, nightfall, yeah, because there's only like a few hours left. Until nightfall to make your decision and either come out or die. die. Um, and then at the same instance, we see, uh, we, no, Kara says, maybe try to get Quill on the comms again and maybe we can figure out some way to get out of here as quickly as possible. Because they, they clearly what she's doing is not opening the grate at all. Right. So they're trapped there. And then he gets on the comm unit. He's like, Quill, do you read me? Quill. And then... Uh, Get out of here with the kid. 88. IG-11 comes back. He's like, Quill has been... uh, No. That's not what they hear first. They hear fucking... (laughs) (laughs) Giggling. And then they're like, Quill has been dispatched or some shit like that. And immediately eliminated. And then immediately Mando's like, what did you do? And then IG's like, I didn't do anything. Uh, I'm just doing what I was programmed to do. And and Mando's like, what's that? Uh, Nurse and protect or some shit like that. And then we just see him... Racing through town, haul, haul ass and into town, and everybody's like, "Hey, is that a speeder bike?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being shot at by the IG unit, just taken out left and right. He's taking out every stormtrooper in town. And I love the way he like spins around yeah. as he's. <laughs> and we see baby uh, Yoda just laughing his fucking full head off as they're racing through fucking town. As all these stormtroopers are being taken out, they get to the main corridor where all the stormtroopers and death troopers are. Probably my favorite scene from this is there's a stormtrooper like. Uh, hassling Jawa. Well, yeah, like talking to a Jawa, and you can't really tell if they're haggling or what. But he like stands up and gets shot in the chest. The Jawa's like, uh, <laughs> what now? <laughs> uh, but yeah, he gets to the main corridor where all the stormtroopers and death troopers are with grief, or not grief, but where Moff Gideon is. He leaps off of the swoop bike, pushes it off to the side, exploding it taking out a bunch of stormtroopers as he takes out his pistols. They start trying to fire at the kid. He spins his abdomen around. Kid's now on his back, and he's just laying waste to motherfuckers left and right. Immediately, just taking them out all over the fucking place. Uh, we see Din, uh, Mando. Uh, he's like, all right, this is our chance. Let's get out there and try to take, him out, uh, take out as many as we can to get the fuck out of here. Uh, he exits the door. He opens the door, exits it, and immediately, without hesitation, just sees a fucking stormtrooper off to his side and just, without looking, fires around right into him as he kicks another one right in the fucking chest and just starts taking out people left and right as well. He eventually gets into a bit of a scuffle with a few death troopers. They end up besting him a little bit, but before... For a second. For a second, and then he grabs, like, the big E-Web heavy repeating blaster. No, not yet, because everybody else comes out, and they're all killing... Yeah, the death troopers the and death a few troopers of the stormtroopers. Storm we see Moff Gideon just on the outskirts watching all this chaos happen. And then he grabs the E-Web and then just grabs the trigger, pulls on that, and then just strafes left and right, just mowing down motherfuckers. 
Uh, Moff Gideon walks up uh, halfway, sees this chaos happening, looks at the power supply. No, sees Mando. Mando clocks him. He shoots Mando. Yeah, it hits them in the best car. Nothing happens. So, right. and he turns the e-web towards him. Is about to fire. Is about to fire at Gideon. Gideon looks at the battery pack, shoots it, and it explodes, it explodes. knocking him all the way back towards the cantina. Uh, Kara comes out, grabs him with like no fucking like uh, like there there is no weight to this person whatsoever. Just fucking Gina, fucking Gina Carano. Uh, just picks him up like there's no issue whatsoever and just brings him back into the uh, main uh, cantina. Into the cantina. Uh, along with IG and the child. The child's set off to the side as the IG unit is looking after. Uh, no, no. The IG, he, Grief Cargo tells the IG unit to cut open this grate. And we see that the, the IG unit has a blowtorch. And he, he puts, it, puts down the child and then looks at Grief and is like, if, if you, you kill this, if you touch him, I yeah. will kill you. Yeah, that's it. He's like, all right, like I ain't gonna do nothing. <laughs> what does he say? He's like, yeah, 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 I get it. <laughs> Just open this. Um, uh, he, we see the uh, IG unit starting to cut through all the bars. Uh, we see the child off to the side. Kara's like, come on, Mando, you need to get up. And Mando's like, nah, this no, I can't get up. I'm fucked. This, this is the end of the line for me. Yep. And we see Kara's like, no, I'll say that. And then she removes her hand from the back of his head, and there's blood it's covered in blood. Um, and she's like, no, we need to get you out of here. You need to help us. You're the only person that the child listens to. You need to fucking come on. Let's go. And Mando's like, no, this is it for me. Take the child. Take this. He take- rips off a mythosaur emblem that he has mm-hmm. around his neck. He's like, give this to him. Tell the armor that you were with me, working with me. They'll help you with the child. Just go. Well, s- says, you know, tell her, tell her that you're helping with the foundling. Yes. That. You need to get to safety, and she'll help you all stay here and buy you time. Yep. Um, Meantime, IG-11 is cut through. the grate. Yeah, uh, basically open the grate. Uh, Grief car says, come on. He jumps down. Uh, at that same instance that they're arguing about everything, uh, we see Moff Gideon say, uh, burn him out. And then we see a big flame trooper guy with like it's like a stormtrooper with like red markings all over the place uh-huh. with a big like uh, fuel tank on his back with a flamethrower in his hand. He just saunters up, uh, blows a bunch of flam- flam- fra- flame flames in the main opening, that little slit for the uh, window. And then he goes up to the main door and is about to just basically toast everybody in there. And we see Baby Yoda stand up. Hold, hold both of his hands up and push, hold back the fire, and then push it back towards the flame trooper, and eviscerating much, him. Much like uh, Salt and Peppa, he pushed it real good, <laughs> yes. right into the flame trooper's face, yep. who then uh, unceremoniously explodes. Yes, um, and gets thrown back uh, dead. Uh, Baby Yoda passes out from all this energy. Kara picks him up. They go into the main sewer grate. She looks at IG. And she tells well, no, him, you IG, keep him alive. IG says that he's going to stay here with Mando. Because Kara's like, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. And he's like, no, get the fuck out of here. Yep. And IG-11 picks up uh, Grogu and hands him to Kara Dune. And is like, take care of the child. I will stay here with him. Yep. And before she leaves, she's like, bring him with you. And he says, I will. Yeah, yeah as soon as you can. As soon as you can get him up and walking, bring him with you. Um, and then they all leave, and then IG unit kneels down in front of the Mando, and Mando's like, all right, do it. And the IG unit's like, what? Do what? 
<laughs> and Mando's like, kill me. I know that's what you want to do, so just fucking do it. Like, and IG's no. like, no, that's not in my programming. I told you. That's not me anymore. He's like, I'm a nursing and protection droid. That's never going to be the case. And then he's like, uh, look, I need to get this helmet off of you. And then Mando's like, you do it, I'll fucking kill you. And then... <clears throat> he says, no living... Yes. No living thing can uh, see me without my helmet. And IG-11 is like, ah, but I'm not living. Yes. Uh, he removes the helmet from a din, and we see Pedro Pascal, finally. He's all fucked up, bleeding from his eyes and nose. We see uh, that the IG unit is spraying back to all over the back of his head. He's like, this will take a few hours for you to fully heal, but it should take effect in a few minutes. Um, they cut to inside the main sewer area. We see Grief and Kara with the child trying to make their way through all these sewers and stuff. And they're a bit lost. They're not sure how, where or how, which way to go. And then they hear a big clanging. And then they see the IG unit uh, carrying uh, Mando with the helmet back on back into the sewer. And he's a bit, still a bit concussed and a bit groggy. Yeah, helping him. Like a like a football player yeah. off the field, like yeah. an arm around him type thing. Yep. Uh, Kara takes him as uh, IG takes the child. Um, they make their way. Mando points them in the directions that they need to go. Um, <clears throat> before they get to the main culvert uh, where the Mandalorians are, Mando says, oh, okay, I'm fine. And then IG says the Bacta is finally taking effect. Uh, they get to the main corridor where the Mandalorian should be and Mando just walks up and just sees a pile of Mandalorian armor right there in front of him and immediately he looks to Grief and he's like did you do this and Grief is like no the moment you left all the other bounty hunters just dispersed the, the, this you wasn't know us. how it is the fighting just stopped yes on the moment there was nothing there for them they just quit doing it uh, and then immediately Mando gets into Grief Cargo's face he's like did you do this and then we hear out of uh, the armorer's place the armorer say no this was not him and then uh, armorer comes sauntering out with like a floating crate beside her with other armor in that crate and then she's like, this is not him. This was the Imperials. Um, some of them got off planet. Some of them died in the battle to try to protect uh, you. Um, she picks up a few pieces, puts it in the crate, goes back to her armorer, and then just starts melting. Armory. Armory, that's what I meant. Uh, goes back to just melting Mandalorian armor to try to salvage back as... Beskar. Yeah, yeah, Beskar. Trying to salvage as much as the be- of the Beskar as she can. And... Uh, Mando is like, look, I need to get you off of here. We need like, to get, we you, need out to get here. you out of here. And then the armor is like, no, no, no. Uh, I will not leave this place until I got every ounce of Beskar uh, from this armor or any of the armor uh, out here or in this crate. Basically, I'm not leaving. Yeah. Uh, she asks, is this the thing that you were supposed to, the, the, the thing that was an enemy that didn't know it was an enemy? And she's pointing to Grogu and he's like, yes. Uh, this is who I was meant to protect. This is who helped me with the mud horn. And then we see her starting to tinker around with shit. We see her take a, like a little spoon of the metal, the Beskar metal that's melting, um, and pour it in some sort of device. And she's like, well, then that is your signet. Um, she pours it into this mold. And then uh, Mando tells her, is like, um, he... He may, she, the armorer says he looks weak, and um, Mando's like, Yeah, he may look weak, but he is not weak at all. He can control things with his mind. And then, uh, armorer's like, I have heard of such stories years ago. An ancient enemy of ours called the Jedi, 
uh, could do such things. And then the Mandalorian's like, all right, so he is our enemy? He's like, and Ma- Armor is like, no, no, no. Not they, this one. They were once our enemy, but not this one. And then she then walks up to his pauldron, uh, oh, starts uh, like soldering on like something. Well, she tells, she tells him like basically that he'll never be able to take the the creed because he's too weak for that. Yeah. Um, but, but you need a, as as it is a foundling, the only other option is to return it to its people. Its people. And he's like, you want me to go find fucking space wizards? Yeah, that were once our enemy. And, and she's it's, like, yeah. This is the way. And uh, you are a clan of two. Yeah, as, as she solders on. Solders on. The Mudhorn Signet. Yep. Um, and then she's like, all right, so have you practiced in the Rising Phoenix? And he's like, yeah, when I was a foundling. She's like, all right, until you practice with this more, it won't listen to your basic commands. And then she turns around and gives him a jetpack. It's all silver with... That matches aesthetic. Um, she says, IG unit, take this. Um, Until he's well enough to wear it. <clears throat> yes. Uh, IG hands the child to Kara and then uh, takes the uh, jetpack. Kara, or the armorer says, uh, replenish your ammunitions and then get out of here. Just follow the uh, ramp as it keeps going downhill. You'll be at the lava river. Lava river. From there, you'll be able to take the boat out of Navarro. Mando tries to convince her to come once more. She says, no, I will stay here. Um, She goes away. Um, Some time passes as they slink off. We see that everything has now been cleaned up. No, she tells the IG unit to go out and protect them from a patrol that's coming. And you hear lots of shooting. And then he comes back in and he says, it has been taken care of. Yeah. (laughs) I did good. (laughs) Yes. Uh, they all fuck off as she stays there, and then uh, some time has passed. All the armor has been picked up. It's been all melted down. She's now sitting in front of her uh, smelter, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's just got her like big hammer and, and some some more tongs as she as it is crossed against her chest, and she's just kneeling there, like waiting, worshiping the times of old, I guess. And then as she's just sitting there waiting. Four stormtroopers come up behind her, point their guns at her, and basically tell her, like, hey, where'd they fucking go? And immediately she doesn't answer Tell us you're going to fucking die. She doesn't answer them. She just fucking runs right through these guys. We see at one point she takes the hammer, smashes it into a stormtrooper's head. We see the Durasteel... Yeah, helmet break apart half of the helmet (laughs) along with his face she pushes one into the forge (laughs) yes he just immediately melts into it she just lays waste to these motherfuckers she takes out the last one she does like a hero pose and turns around with her badass fucking hammer and tongs in hand cut to they are now at the 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 group with Kara, grief the child ig and mando are now at this lava river next to like this weird boat gondola thing and it's like welded to the side of the ramp that the boat sit, sits next to. Um, they try to wedge it free. It's not working. So they manage to, or Kara takes her repeating blaster rifle and unloads around the edge of it. It lo- dislodges. It starts slowly making its way. They all jump in and immediately uh, they figure out that, uh, or no, Mando hits a few things on his helmet and sees that the... the, the droid. The droid that they thought was baked yeah. comes to life and stands up and starts beeping. 
And they're like, does anybody speak droid? This is the only part of the whole show that bothered me. Like, they have a fucking droid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, someone speaks droid. Obviously, somebody well, speaks Well, yeah, he droid. does answer it. But he's like, I think he's asking us where we want to go. Like, motherfucker, you speak the same language. <laughs> yes. Uh, they say downriver. Uh, some time passes. Mando clicks on a few things inside his helmet. And while... Uh, while they're while he's like it's a it looks like an R two unit body with but like, it's like got huge legs and arms and yeah, shit yeah and it's got a big pole and as they say where they want to go he starts taking them and it's like <laughs> chirping and I can only imagine it's like a, a Italian gondola driver and he's like when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie that's amore. <laughs> <laughs> when they say that's a moon, that's no moon, that's a space stage. <laughs> when they say amore, you say I know. <laughs> or, or uh, it is confirmed now that uh, R two is a foul mouthed little fucker. Because <laughs> yeah. in one of the comic books, yeah. Since, uh, like, the beeps and stuff, one of the droids was like, he's got such a foul mouth. <laughs> yeah. So it's canon now. Like, he's cursing all the yeah. time. So, so it's, either, it's either he's fucking singing songs to him, or he's like, these motherfuckers making me fucking do shit. Like, I've been decommissioned for fucking 14 years. Like, this is some bullshit. <laughs> I had a good sedimentary life just sitting here not doing a fucking thing. Sedentary. Sedimentary is a rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I guess because he was covered in rocks. Yeah, yeah, basically so, becoming a rock. So, yeah. Um, anyway, they're making their way downtown, walking fast. And they're like, oh, cool. Look, there's the exit. We're home free. And Mando hits a couple buttons. And is like, oh, yeah, no, we're not home free. Yeah, he like, sees that there are, there's a whole platoon on the other sides of the uh, tunnel hole where this river takes them out of. Uh, under Navarro or this town for Navarro and he's like look we're surrounded there's nothing we can do we're fucked and then the IG unit is like look um I know how we can do it yeah uh I've got a self-destruct um it's in my base code base base code not to be captured so if I'm going to be captured I will self-destruct yeah I just need you to tell me that you're going to take care of the kids so I can revert to my base program and we see mando just trying to plead with him like no don't do this like this is not we will figure out this is not the way (laughs) this is not the way (laughs) we see him just trying to plead with the ig unit and the ig unit's like look this is there's no other way around this it's my job it's i'm i was rebuilt to protect this kid now just tell me you'll protect the child and mando's like yeah of course we'll protect the child but you don't need to do this and uh the ig unit is like it's okay there's no reason to be sad and I've, I was never alive to begin with. I was never alive to begin with. And then Mando's like, I'm not sad. He's like, of course you are. I can, I'm a I'm droid. A, I'm a nurse droid. I check I can, your breathing. and Or your voice patterns. And basically indicating that he is a bit sad. Thus, the point that we, the Mando that we have at the beginning of the first season is different than what we have at the end of the first season. He's, right. be, he's become to enjoy or understand what droids are. Uh, they're not all bad. They're not all, well, we've got one that's about to sacrifice itself for the greater good. And Mando's never seen that in a droid before. He's only seen the death and destruction that they can cause. And he puts puts down the uh, the jetpack, and he's like, "I can't carry this for you anymore." And 
hops out of the boat and becomes the grandma from Dante's Peak. <laughs> <laughs> he just, just walks out in front of them. Yeah. Walks out and all the stormtroopers are like, what? I like, thought there was why, more. Why is there a droid just walking around in the lava? Yeah. He's like, I can't be captured. And his chest cavity opens up and his little fucking predator device spins up and <laughs> boom <laughs> yeah, uh killing every stormtrooper around them we see the rest of the group come out of the cave and there's nobody around like everything's been fucking eviscerated including the ig unit um as they think they're uh free and clear we then hear uh, a tie fighter in the sky strafing across the sky and they know exactly who it is it's moff gideon we see uh, it uh, strafe across them, firing a few rounds. It misses all of them completely, but they're like, "Oh shit!" If he comes, turns back around and tries to uh, again, our blasters aren't going to do anything. And uh, Carl Weathers is like, "Oh, he missed." Mando is like, "Yeah, but he won't miss a second time." Yep. And then a uh, grief cargo is like, "Hey, why don't we have the baby do the magic hand thing?" And he's like, "Come on, baby, do, do the, the hand, hand, do the hand thing." And Grogu just waves, waves at him. He's like, <laughs> he's like, "I'm out of date yeah, ideas." Great. This is, uh, the, that was my idea. What do you got? <laughs> All right. Um, and then we see that Mando slips, takes the jetpack, slips it on his back. He's like, "I've got one." I've got an idea. And then as Gre- or as Moff Gideon gets close and closer, we see Mando just standing there. And as he's as close as he can get, Mando pops up in the air with a jetpack. Uh, up above Moff Gideon, uses his grappling hook to hook into the X-Wing. It tries to fucking... The TIE Fighter. TIE Fighter. It tries to fucking, like, lose him, like, get him to, like, fly off of it. It's not working. <laughs> my, f- <laughs> my favorite part of that scene is whenever he, like, clinks on, he's like, okay, I did it. And... Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he immediately takes a few of the grenades that he took from the armorer, puts it on the side of the... Uh, Tie fighter. Tie fighter. I was gonna say actually. Yeah. I know you were. Uh, Tie fighter, and then just let's go. Trying to use the jetpack as best as possible. Like he said, or like the armor said earlier, it's not really gonna listen to him until he practices with it. With it. And more. you see uh, Moff Gideon like, fuck. Yes, because he sees that the, the the computer system on the Tie shows fighter. that there's two bombs there. It yep. blows up. The Tie fighter crashes, He's spinning off into the distance. We think that's it of Moff Gideon. And then and they go, oh, cool, we did, we did it, yay! We see Mando slowly descend down in front of Grief Karga and Kara, who are carrying the child. They Kara give the child back to Mando. The child, um, and Grief is like, okay, well, you're in good standing now. It's all free and clear. Like, you're no longer hunted. Uh, you can, you know, start taking jobs again whenever you want. Yes. And uh, he's like, oh, I think I'm, I've got more pressing issues trying to return this thing to its people. Yep. And uh, then he's like, Kara, come on. And she's like, actually, I think I'm going to stay here for a while. And he's like, what? And Grief's like, yeah, excellent. You can be my enforcer. Um, this, this is just a great place. Everything's great. <laughs> yes. And she's like, oh, well, there is this small issue of um, my chain code mm. is... Uh, you know, got a lot of a lot of dings on it, and he's like, "Well, if you're my enforcer, chain codes will be the least of your worries. Yes. Like, I'll take care of it all." And they we say see, goodbye. We see Mando go up in the air with his jetpack, with Grogu on in his arms, uh, reminiscent of the scene of uh, Din being taken away right from his planet by the Mandalorians. Um, we see Mando has landed uh, outside of his ship. He we see time has passed. He has buried Quill. 
uh, in the dirt on yep. Mand- or on uh, Navarro. With his Ugnaught helmet. Uh, as a marker. Right. Uh, they take off uh, into space and then cut two seconds later and we just see Jawas. Well, no. Um, we, as they're in the cockpit, he's no longer holding mm-hmm. the, the ball. Yeah. Um, he's got the... Uh, uh, a mythosaur. Yeah, the mythosaur medallion emblem necklace thing yeah and he's like sucking on it and mando grabs it and he's like huh i never thought i'd see that again why don't you hold on to it for now and he takes it and starts sucking on it again yep then cut to yeah then we cut to uh Jawas. back onto the surface of navarro and jawas are just tr- trying to scavenge whatever they can from this tie fighter and then a black blade comes plunging out of it carves a hole into it <laughs> fuck yeah they fuck off uh, the Black Blade carves a hole into it and out walks Moff Gideon holding the Darksaber. And like I said earlier, the Darksaber is a huge fucking deal when it comes right. to who rules Mandalore and who is the uh, the true king, who is the who who is the Mandalorian that walks in the steps of the great Mandalore. Right. There's like a whole backstory. It's fucking fascinating. So the mere fact that someone like Moff Gideon has it is a huge fucking thing. And there's a whole thing that goes on. Uh, with season two, that's fucking just fascinating. But that is the end of season one. Yep. The phenomenal fucking season. It's eight episodes. Like I said, I think it may have been a movie at one point, but they changed it they, up a bit yep. and made it into a series. I think Which it's I'm much okay better. With. I think it fits better as a, yeah. as a series than it does as a movie. Um, as a whole, the first season, uh, we have the Rotten Tomato scores. So obviously, we don't have box office right. numbers. Um, but the Rotten Tomato score for this first season, uh, critic scored 93%, audience scored 92%. So it did great. That's really I mean, high. this was a thing that fucking everybody loved. There were a few people bitching about Cara Dune because she was a woman, obviously. But uh, And then later on would bitch about uh, the actress that plays Cara Dune for much different reasons. Um, anyway, uh, that is pretty much all I've got for this week. That's pretty much all I've got. Make sure to comment, rate, subscribe. Tell us what you think about um, Mandalorian Season 1 or... Sky Daddy and Frog Eater. <laughs> yes. The Adventures of Sky Daddy I and mean, Frog Eater. I mean, technically, it's Lone Wolf and Cub from from old Japanese samurai movies, but yes. No. Sky Daddy. And- Sky Daddy, because he's flying around in a spaceship. <laughs> right. And Frog Eater, because he's a fucking frog, frog eater. <laughs> yep. um, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdinian. You can also follow me on both those platforms at that wanker. You can also follow us on TikTok as well at Nerdinian. And uh, you can follow the adventures of my D&D group um, every Saturday night. We live stream our D&D on Twitch at Wolf Den D&D. And uh, we also are now streaming uh, Magic Nights on Friday nights. We play Commander. So you're more than welcome to tune into that as well. All right. And remember, hope is like the sun. If you only believe in it when you can see it, then you'll never make it through the night. I've come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble gum. 